Peter, this is going to be a just a monumental, deep episode. I don't know where it's going. I don't know how things are going to be split up. We were mid-conversation, and I asked you if you were already recording, because sometimes you do the Marin principle of, like, we're in it. And my voice may shift a bit here. I'm trying to work with what I have left of a voice. Here's where I'm going to start even before that. I'm going to be... I'm going to do the mean stuff, and then I'm going to be the most zen, beautiful, returned creature of all. We're going to be talking about Japan today, and I only say that to say this first. The Japanese fans have such a wonderful respect for the performer, for the performer's time, space, and energy, that it is kind of like the most unprecedented experience. Oh, yeah, fix me. Oh, yeah. They treated you with respect and with... uh, you know, a sense of excitement. Yes. I give a lot of myself, Peter, to people and I love it. And it's made a huge difference in my life. It's not something I do selfishly. I enjoy meeting people, talking to people. We'll learn all about that on this. I need people to honor my time and space in America a little bit more, not all the way to mimic that of what was given to me in Japan, because I'm going to be spoiled now. These fans, they'll buy the same picture night after night. They'll come to the shows just because they know if they approach you at the table and take your time, they want to give you the appreciation however they can, and they enjoy it. And they don't even want to be in the picture with you, or maybe they do, but it's frowned upon. They just take a picture of you to commemorate the time, maybe holding the picture. I'm trying to get hydrated again. It's the most plane travel I've ever done. I'm more proud of anything than of, of AJ for when we went to Mexico, we didn't even change time zones, I think, but one hour and the boy was exhausted. And he did this trip with graciousness and uh, calm. And we learned a lot about each other. Okay, back to what I was saying. Here's my co-star today. I'm having a reflective day. I'm going to go see Father John Misty tonight. I've been waiting for a long time to do that. It's going to be magic. My friends are in town. I'm viewing my past self, working at this moving company, working with my friend, him changing, me changing, us changing, and my co-star today is that person and that night are over. Also, the Tokyo trip, that person and that night are over, and there were many peoples and persons and many nights, and look at me now, Peter, am I a little dressed up from my trip to Tokyo? Yes. And I feel adorable, because... They honor the effort, and I, I was re-put in love with the effort of fashion while in Tokyo. And I think it's sort of a, it's a punk rock against everyone wearing the exact same thing to school and to work and everywhere. But they are serious about their fashion and their looks. God, there's so much to discuss. Thank God I saw Bullet Train starring Brad Pitt before I went to Japan, or I would have been even more lost. My brain is still... All over the place. I mean, you literally switch times. 13 hours uh, ahead of you in Tokyo, Japan. Which means that when we went there, it was the shortest day of my life. September 24th, which is actually my brother's birthday. Happy birthday. Peter, I don't even know where to start with Tokyo. This is the most magical place. Uh, The only way I could... I was thinking about it today. Because I did put thought into this and it didn't help a bit. And I even wrote out all the days. I wrote out things that happened. It won't help a bit. It is a swirling whirlwind in my fucking consciousness. It has transformed me. That's so corny to say. Oh, it transformed me. But I was forced to just like, it was the, it's the strongest mind altering drug I've ever taken. Tokyo. 
Tokyo. It is a source of constant confusion while building your confidence through efficiency. The most efficient place I've ever been in my life. To the point where I should be confused. I remember going to Spain for the first time, not speaking Spanish. I was very confused, as I should have been. I remember going to the UK. I don't speak England, which is different than English. But I figured it out. I was confused in the UK. But the Tokyo trip sends you into places you'd never imagine. And you have to learn about communication all over again. But you know what you find out? They want you to succeed. In Japan, we all want everyone around us to succeed. We want everyone to feel respected. We want everyone to be given the best that we can give them. And we want everyone to feel like they got their worth. And it's awesome. I love that. Back to the fans. I know I was being a little negative. I had to clear myself. I love it. Give me a hug. Give me a kiss. Tell me how I changed your life. Give me some love. Buy a picture. Come on the journey with me. But be mindful. Here's why I say this partially, selfishly. Listen to my voice right now. Joey Janela asked me in the middle of the trip, do you always lose your voice? I said, recently, yes. And now I'm a week away from being a voice actor. And I'm ruining my voice because I give myself, and I don't know how to turn it off sometimes. And I, and I think in Tokyo, I wasn't losing my voice from giving myself. I was losing my voice from just pure living and excitement of a childlike wonder of a grown man who thought he knew who he was going into Tokyo. And guess what I found out? I do know who I am. I 100% do. And it translates across borders. A conversation has to be had that constantly in my career, and we'll talk career, but this is all about self and human. This is uh, post-nihilism for the happy human. That's what this is. This is finding out that nothing really matters, so you choose every day what matters. And in Japan, everybody matters. We all matter. We're all on our own journey. We don't need to bother each other. Not matter like that. We all matter. It's crazy. Where am I even going with this? doesn't matter yet. We're still in Los Angeles. Here's a big task. And I missed that show and I got my visa. And my visa looks so cool, man. But for me, I said this to many people before I left to hold myself to it. I wanted to make sure that AJ had a great time. This was a defining wrestling trip for me, but I didn't think like that going into it. I, uh, I knew that you know, he studied Japanese in college. He's always loved Japanese culture and anime and being subscribed to Crunchyroll on my credit card, which is fine. I love it. I met someone who worked at Crunchyroll while I was there. I also met a founder of Twitch who sold out and still has good contacts. And congratulations to my Twitch manager who just got a new position. He's moving away from there, but Twitch, I'm back on there. I've been out of the Twitch loop. Not that this matters, but I'll tell you what I did before I left. I bought Splatoon 3. Now, it's immediately become the number one selling game in Japan of all time. Damn. And I bought this before I left just because I wanted to play Splatoon. I thought it'd be fun on Twitch. Guess what I found out? I love Splatoon, and so does Japan, and it inhibited, it didn't inhibit anything. It grew my love for it. Your hair looks luscious, by the way, Peter. Thank you. It's fantastic. Um, Splatoon 3. This was just a kind of a starting, like I'm, I don't even know that I'm preparing for Japan. I was already preparing. Oh, I saw Bullet Train. Oh, I got Splatoon. A little bit more preparation than I thought. Sorry, Peter. I'm still getting over travel. Don't apologize. And rehydrating. My chiropractor today, the WWE fan, said, you got to hydrate, dude. You're so tight. 
Uh, let's get that mic just a little closer to your face. Yeah, get it in here. Test me. This is it's all good content, folks. Raw, in your face, unfiltered, out loud experiencing. We even tried to talk a little bit before, and it's hard to even put into words. Okay. LA though, the task was getting AJ there. So this is the first part of making sure he has a good trip. The task was getting AJ there to Los Angeles after me. So I'm taking the 6 a.m. flight to LA to do the show. He's taking a 7 p.m. flight and getting there much later. <clears throat> the late night flight, uh, I was hoping would time up with the show ending. And so we had a tag team championship match, me and Allie. And I wasn't going to see Allie for a long time, which is hard for me because we're just, we're connected people. I get to see her tomorrow. We'll talk about the cool gifts I got her. Well, I got her one cool gift. We had a tag team championship match against Alex Cologne and John Wayne Murdoch, who were on the Japanese tour, coming on the tour with us. So I was going to be seeing a lot of them. And Cologne sort of told me, you know, the Japanese guys are crazy. You got to get ready. I said, well, then tonight we're doing WWF hardcore here in LA. And we did, and we came up short, and we tried our best. But AJ landed exactly what I wanted. So task number one, done. Before this, though, I didn't know, because I don't have the additional booster. I should go just get my booster. I don't have it. I had to get a PCR I test. I don't have it either. I don't know. I've never gotten COVID. I don't know. It's a terrible disease. It affects people differently. I need to get a booster, maybe. It's, I don't know. It's just like something that's been on my to-do list for six months. and just. Yeah, I'm happened. more concerned with getting the monkeypox vaccine, which I think is important right now yeah. for everyone to pay attention to. Uh, queer or not queer. Everyone. Ugh. The monkeypox vaccine is more available now. I saw it advertised all over Japan, Canada, UK. Uh, if you can get it, get it. Um, I had to get a PCR test, and it was expensive at the airport, but I said, you know what? I'm here. I'm not going to let this run me out. I got my test, came through in an hour, didn't have COVID, felt good about it. AJ gets there. The time is now. Cole Radrick said, should we get some sleep? I said, no way. we got to fly to Japan. We're going to fly to Japan in the middle of the morning on the 24th, we're going to land on the 25th. There's a whole day, just it disappears. You land 25 hours after you leave. So a whole day disappears. The shortest day of my life. Shortest day of my whole life. It doesn't exist. I took, and this is, we're going to talk about this because my, we just had a recording with Rolling Stone. Who knows if they'll use it or not. Uh, about my felony charge. Sorry, mom, if you're finding this out. It's it's gone now. I'm pretty sure. Wait, does your mom listen to the podcast? I think so, sometimes. That's she cute. may. Uh, and honestly, next week is my first weekend off of wrestling in a very long time because it is my mom's birthday. So we are going to visit her and my grandmother and many friends and family. My immediate family, they did lose their house in the hurricane that happened. Oh, no. While we were gone. So send support down there where Hurricane Ian hit. I mean, there's a lot of places that will never look the same again. I lived in Florida a long time. My brother still lives in Tampa. They didn't get it as bad, but a uh, very rough time for them. They are all safe, though. Thank God. There was a lot of horrible, horrible stuff that happened there. It was hard to... It's hard to see that when you're, like, so far away that you're like, I can't do anything, and I've got to just, like, have this trip, yeah. you know? So I stay up all night. I take a lot of cannabis edibles to get on this plane. You cannot bring cannabis to Japan. They're very big about this. No way. No how. 
and I wasn't going to risk it. I'm here to do Japan the Japanese way. I don't want to risk any of this. I don't want to, you know, I'm coming with respect to their country. And that's what was asked of me. And that's what I would do anyway. Take all the edibles. I take two British sleeping pills that I got at the airport for that flight. And I get on the plane and I sleep for 10 straight hours. Literally almost the whole flight I slept and I woke up. And AJ and Schlock are sitting beside me and around me. And I go, what? Are we almost there? And Wait, they're like, that was the seating order? Well, one's in the middle. One's right here. One's behind me. So okay. Schlock's behind me. Hilarious. And the whole time he's been like, I tried to wake you up. I tried to wake you up. And I said, well, how long have I been asleep? He goes, 10 whole freaking hours. I said, perfect. The plan worked perfectly. So like, as we're landing in Japan, I'm actually feeling like, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Let's do it. Let's see it. Now, little did I know, we were at Narita Airport, not Hanada Airport, which is closer to Tokyo in the bay and where we would be going. So we had a pretty long journey to get in. And we were given some instructions on how to do it. And we were told to avoid certain things that we shouldn't have avoided. And I understand the reason we were told, don't take the Skyliner, because it's expensive. But we should have taken the Skyliner. We'll talk about that later. Before we get through there, we've got to go through customs. And like, we are a gang. And I do have to, I'm just going to mention. Uh, people have their thoughts on Schlack. People have their feelings on Schlack. I've known Schlack a very long time. Schlack has made mistakes in his life. Schlack has apologized. I am fine with Schlack. I think people should be able to grow. I think people should change. I've had many long conversations with him. That's all I'm going to say. We teamed up in Japan a good bit. We are character freak show uh, performers and they love it and they have low expectations. Then we blow them out of the water. More water being brought to me by the lovely Peter here. <sighs> I just got to give it a full run, dude. I got to get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <sighs> um, so we land, I've already lost a headphone, but I don't care. I even look on the plane. I can't find the headphone. I attempt then to get off the plane. We go to customs. Now they look at my passport and it says, E as an entertainer, which I'm fond of, deeply fond of, Peter, because I am an entertainer, and I'm E, I'm Effie. So he looks at my bags, and they're digging through AJ's bag in the other line, just like looking through everything. So he's V as in volunteer. V as in volunteer, which is more of a tourist visa, more on that later. And I, he said, what are you here for? And I said, puroresu, which is how they say pro wrestling there. It's, you know, I don't know the exact translation. Puroresu. And immediately he just sends me through. No questions, no bags. Go on, young man. Puroresu. That was the secret code word, man. Puroresu, you're in. Then you go to the second line where they look at you again. You got to claim everything. I had nothing to claim. I just got my bags. Come on in. Very easy. But I also uh, have to say, it was not very easy because it was weeks of preparation to those moments. Right. I shouldn't be surprised. I will say when we came in, I had already done the app. They have an app to get into the country. You upload everything. Seems a little excessive. It is. We load everything in. When we got there, the boys who didn't load everything in had to sit in like school desks and fill out their little papers with all their names and everything. We already had it on the app. So it was kind of fun to pass that point and just be like, see you guys. We all make it through. We're fine. And then we got our first taste of Japanese bathrooms, which I'm addicted to. How could you not be? Are you familiar at all with these Japanese no. bathrooms? 
here's the options you have on your toilet, which is the best toilet you've ever sat on because the seats are heated. You can turn on noise, wave machine noise, which is covering up the sound of my shit. You have front bidets, you have back bidets, you can adjust the pressure. They are mystical things, and they are everywhere. Now, they're not the only type of toilet. They call these Western style. They call them Western style. They also have the Eastern style toilets, which are the familiar kind of the holes in the ground. We'll get to those later. These toilets are so magical. And this is where the story begins. And I'm going to tell his story because I don't think he'll care. Uh, Jimmy Lloyd forgets his passport in the bathroom. Now you would think this would be, this would stop Jimmy Lloyd in his tracks. You would be wrong. Between my loving partner, AJ, and Jimmy Lloyd, there is a balance to be had in your traveling. My attitude going into Japan was, Jimmy Lloyd don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Let's do this. If they're letting him in and he's barely prepared, we're good. He left his passport at the airport. Incredible. Didn't even phase him. Realized it, called him. They said, we've got it because they're so efficient. We've got it. Sorry, I'll come pick it up. This is day two. We'll get there. We leave. We try to get on these trains. Everybody's together. We're supposed to, we've got pretty simple instructions, it seems. We were not given all the instructions until later, uh, which with the service not being in our favor and Wi-Fi being between train stations a little difficult at the time, it gets easier. I got really good at the Wi-Fi by the time we left. I never even like, I don't think I activated my phone. I need to check. But I think it was all Wi-Fi. After overshooting a few train stations, getting on different trains, riding all around, with the humidity being very hot, with us carrying all our bags, with me trying to make sure AJ's having a good time, we finally figure out that we're just in the wrong spot. So we eventually meet up and find the person we're supposed to find and then have to ride another hour. And we find finally our home in Ikebukuro Station area, in between Ikebukuro Station and Kanamacho Station. You're going to hear my wonderful Japanese words here while we're riding. Now this part of Tokyo is, I don't want to say a little quieter, but it is. it has big shopping areas, it has big potential, but there is a smaller, quieter area around it. And we pull up, we finally make our walk-in, and we get to our Airbnb. Now, the whole time, and you're not going to see it in the video because I didn't do it, because it's disrespectful to shoot where children would be, there's an elementary school next to our Airbnb. Oh, yeah. You went the, uh, by there at night. And you couldn't see. And I tried to shoot there because and, and I left the video because I just didn't edit anything. Uh, weekend Effie's Patreon is full with, I guess, almost like 45 minutes of Japan. The total is 51 minutes, 38 seconds, because I saw the total together. But it's in two videos, and I put one of them up while I was still there. And there's much we need to talk about with all of it. But it's there for your viewing pleasure early, before this episode. So hopefully I'm covering things that are viewed in there, and I'm hoping Peter will help me through it. This will maybe be two episodes. I don't even know how this is going to go. We get there. Oh, we're just going at this point. And AJ had suggested before, maybe we get our own Airbnb there. I said, well, let's just check it out. And I have to mention that between LA and Tokyo, Joey Janela took an extra booking in Seoul, South Korea. Oh, shit. Yeah, just said, let's go for it. So he's just going from 
L.A. to Seoul to Tokyo. Is that why they're sending those missiles over? It's because he had... I don't know. Joey Janela is... I looked at him after the last match he had on this tour, and I said, I think you're the one. I think there's nothing Joey Janela can't do. Joey Janela has proven he can book shows. He can book talent. He can put talent in the right position to get over. He can wrestle any style. He can wrestle any person. He can wrestle under any circumstance. And him ending that tour doing a death match with Sakuda with a needle in his face with lemons... What a marvelous thing to see. Joey Janela in the trunks. Deathmatch Joey is back. And I got to see Deathmatch Joey a good bit on this tour. And people got to see Deathmatch Effie a good bit on this tour. Although somewhat, by my own volition, tamed to where I wanted to be. We'll get into all that. That's my new catchphrase, Peter. We'll get into that. My voice is already shot. I have Japanese throat spray here. But I don't know how much it's really going to help. Folks, I'm going to lose my voice again in Atlantic City the week before my show airs. I'm really disappointed by that. I might just do sign language. Uh, Sumi Masen, Goman, very sorry. We finally get there. These are very, the Airbnb is big for an Airbnb, but it's minuscule. I know we have the Patreon, but we are still seeking sponsors for the show. So if you're cool with me doing that on air, uh, please hit us up. If you're cool with my global stories being told, by uh, half-voiced, uh, as AJ calls me, you look like a bisexual genie. Uh, let us know. People love it. Uh, I'm going to start posting the TikToks to my Instagram because I think we're missing an audience that could be over there. Lots coming. We're figuring it out. I'm getting it together. My Zen was built in Tokyo. Weekend at Effies at gmail.com to sponsor or just support us on the Patreon, patreon.com slash weekend at Effies. There's a lot more content to come. I'm going to keep doing this podcast. I'm going to keep being Effie. We are just cracking the surface. The industry changes every day because I step hard enough to change it. Boom! Is that too cocky, Peter? No. Peter, there's a magazine out right now in Japan. R.I.P. Antonio Inoki, the great, one of the greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time. That man's face, my God. The chin is powerful. Did you ever see the video of him lining people up and slapping them? <laughs> I did. I saw that. Incredible. Uh, I want to do that with kisses. It'll be worth it one day. Uh, and I'm going to keep jumping around on things as, as we go through... I'm the only man in wrestling who could put out my kiss list. Did you see my kiss list, Peter? I didn't. Top five kisses in wrestling 2022. And once again, thank God for the most wonderful partner in the world who allows me to performancely kiss these people and does not care and thinks it's funny that those heteros always want to kiss you. They're trying to get it out of their system. I think everybody's a little gay. He's the greatest. So top five, and I'm going to try to remember it in order. Coming in at number five, Drew Parker. Welsh twink, been living in Japan for the past three years, former BJW champion, uh, Freedoms wrestler, Jimmy Lloyd's uh, platonic boyfriend, one of the goats, Drew Parker. Four, Minoru Suzuki. I felt bad. I spent a lot of time in Harajuku in Japan, but I didn't get to go into pile driver. Jimmy Lloyd did. He got a shirt, looked great. It looked like the side of Suzuki's head said G-A-Y, but I know that's not it. He just has swirls in there, but I, I see what I want to see. Sorry I didn't come by, Mr. Suzuki. And then he was wrestling at another festival the last few days we were there. We didn't make it out. It's fine. Number three, John Moxley. Sorry to put him at three, but I got to tell you, it, it changed this week. He would have been number one. I would have only had like a top two, you know? There's a lot of kisses I could rank. Number two, Deathmatch Legend Jun Kasai. We're going to talk about his match in a minute. Number one, Kikutaru. One of the greatest of all time. Kikutaru is a mystical creature, 
someone I've studied for years, someone who is also in the Wrestling Road Diaries two or three with Colt Cabana, and someone who taught me that uh, it's all entertainment, baby. And I finally got a one-on-one with him on this tour. My match lineup was insane. At one point, Welsh, now Japanese, Gaijin, Drew Parker said, I can't fucking believe it. You had a, a splash from Kasai with a fucking bundle on your chest. And then you had a splash from Ito, one of the greatest deathmatch Japanese wrestlers of all time, with a fucking bundle on your chest. That's insane that you did that all in a week. And I said, yeah, and I kissed you in Cork and Hall. What does that mean? Give me the twink, Cork and Hall. We'll talk about that in a minute, too. I'm going in some order. Who's the top five wanna kiss? Um, this is the same. This is going to be a very dark diva answer. I'm not running from it anymore, Peter. It's the same as my top matches. A million up front, two million after. If you want to come line up, know that Effie knows his worth, baby. We can't all afford SAG minimums to get Effie in. I understand that. But if you want Effie to kiss somebody, it's a lot like, how do you get Joey Janela to fall off a roof with Zandig? Uh, a couple hundred bucks in a venue. You want Effie to come through? Let me know. Effie's dream kisses are the ones you want to see. Electric, fantastic, forever yours. We're going in a kid-friendly direction. I saw that shirt at the airport when I got home. EFY on a kid's shirt. You know what it stood for? Entertainment for youth. There's no way that wasn't a sign. Sitting at the luggage bin seeing entertainment for youth. Entertainment for youth. EFY. We'll have to figure out our own version. Electric, fantastic, forever yours. That's uh, the less fuck you. Oh, this is good right here. Just know I am putting Peter through the editing ringer this week with chaos. I'm sorry, I'm back. Also You've had a break. may or may not have given me mushrooms before we started recording this podcast. So. You can choose to keep that. You can choose to cut that. But guess what? It's the facts. And we're having fun with it. And you've got notes. You're getting good. You're like a professional at this. I got heartwarmed listening to Mark Marin talk to his producer, Brendan, because they've been together so long. Uh-huh. And he's like, I, I, we grew up together, technically. Like, we've known each other for a full decade. It got me really fired up. Mark Marin, I should do what the fuck soon. What are we waiting for? It's, you, you talk to the Disney, the Disney heir. Let's, uh, get in, let's get into Effie. Wait, as in like the inheritor? No, no, no. She's like real against it. It's like Roy Disney's granddaughter. She's like a film director now, but there's some controversy. I don't know. It was one of the best conversations I've ever heard. Don't get me twisted. But it made me think that uh, maybe there's time for new guests. We just got to the Airbnb. There's a lot of that you're going to have to cut around. Sorry, Peter. We just got to the Airbnb, and I realized in that moment, AJ was correct. We should have gotten our own Airbnb. And here's a second reason why I shouldn't have even hesitated when he said it. Do you know how much an Airbnb is per night? No. Now, they're small. One bedroom, bathroom, kitchen, microwave TV, little desk. $28 a night. Damn. Unbelievable. And you must be saying, how could you find one so close to where you were? Six-minute walk. Unbelievable. You passed three three ramen restaurants on the way over there and two 7-Elevens, a Family Mart, and a Lawson's. Wait till we get into convenience stores because it's, it is disgusting how sick Japan is with food, convenience, and respect. Those three together, my God. My God, Peter. So 
the first night we're all trying to figure out where we are, but there's a little extra space because Joey's not there yet because he's in South Korea. Like we said, wrestling and he went to the wrong airport there. It happens. I've done it before. He got there a little later than usual, but we had time. We'd all gotten into town. Jimmy Lloyd lost his passport already and took the bed in the living room. The biggest bed is in the living room where, where, where me and AJ probably should have been, but sometimes we want to go to bed early. So we were in a side room uh, me, AJ, and Cole Radrick, who became our adopted lovely stepson on this trip. Someone that I spent a lot more time with in the past year or so. And someone who I think we had a great time in Japan together exploring. But I will say sometimes daddies have to go out and stepbaby has to be on his own. We all need that. The first night we're there, everybody's a little restful. Cole goes straight to sleep. Oh, sorry, brother. Cole goes straight to sleep. He's exhausted. He couldn't, I mean, he even slept on the plane, but we did stay up a long time. I understand it. Everybody's a little restless. And we say, what are we doing? Tokyo's a night town. We're going out. Jimmy wants to meet up with Drew Parker, who we hadn't even seen yet. And we wanted to go down to Shinjuku, first spot we wanted to hit. So you're thinking, hey, this is, it's kind of far away. We're out in Ikebukuro. We're near Kanamacho Station. We've got to take the Fukutoshin line if we want to go down. Maybe the Amacho line. I just love saying this. And I think I put it on a reel or I put it in the video on Patreon. I'm going to spoil it. My voice is going. I'm going to try. Ikabukuro Station. I love, love, love you. Yes, I do. Ikabukuro Station. Ikabukuro Station is the same syllabical thing in my mind as Philadelphia Freedom. Shout out Elton John. Wow. I said it every time we went there. And we're kind of equidistant to these two stations. And we didn't have a show until the next day. And I was feeling pretty confident. So we all went out. And the first time you witness Shinjuku, it is, much like all of Japan, psychotically overwhelming. Now, the weirdest thing about Tokyo, there's only two negatives about all of Tokyo. The weed is trash. Now, did we still buy a little weed to say we did it? Yes. Is it heartwarming that the only other people in all of Tokyo that are fluently speaking English are the Nigerian drug dealers in the street who are trying to get you to go in a van to a strip club? Yes. Would I feel as confident around these situations? Because not because I'm scared of them, but because they're very good at what they do. And sometimes you don't even want to buy things, but it's more efficient to just hand someone money and get away. I didn't feel any of that pressure because we were rolling like, dare I say, a fucking gang through Shinjuku. I wouldn't mess with us. And also, I turned out to be a very efficient weapon in Shinjuku. There are many, many people trying to get you to um, fuck. Now, I can't go to the sauna right now in Atlanta. I've been waiting since I got back. And part of the problem is any sauna you go to in Japan, it's pretty much a gay sex station. Now, there's a few that are more traditional, maybe a spring sauna, just dicks, but not being used. But every time I looked up like for my own health to go sit in a steam room or a jacuzzi or something of the sort, I was deterred because the, for as conservative and respectful, and when I say conservative, I don't even mean politically. I mean conservative in that they are not going to be inefficient to you or, or make your day harder or not follow the rules just for their own ego. So with that, it's very confusing that on certain moments and places, uh, you're very much so pressured to go be a part of sexual uh, interactions. I'm saying this to get at a lot of the girls would try to pull those boys in for massages as we're walking the streets and they didn't want them. 
it's much easier for me to just be their husband. Me and AJ would just be their husband. That's my boyfriend. Don't touch him. That's my boy. Don't touch my boy. That's my husband. And they say, well, no, whose girl? Rough Scarlet with us. Lovely. Rough Scarlet, Rough Perch with us the whole time. Fantastic. Two of my favorites in wrestling to have in matches and just to hang out with. Uh, we were all missing the cannabis scene, if we're being honest. I'm this efficient tool. AJ's here with us the first night we go out. And AJ goes out hard. Can I ask how expensive the weed was? Yes. For 100% brick mid-weed, it was $60 a gram. Ooh. Terrible. No, nothing is cheap about drugs in Japan. A lot of people aren't doing them. They're, they're typically looking for foreigners. And it, it, Japanese people have no desire to smoke weed. Every Japanese person I asked about weed, this, I, it happened three or more times. Hey, do you know where to find cannabis? I'm on probation. They were not on probation, Peter. This was the answer they gave so that there were no further questions. This was the easiest, most respectful answer of, I'm not even getting involved with this. Wow. The punishments there are very severe. And so I get it. But the police, uh, much like in the UK, and they're, they're more tour guides than anything else, I'm pretty sure. There was a moment where we saw some train police chasing someone for something. Who knows? Uh, but... For the most part, I uh, I spent more time talking to the police in Japan than I probably should have for my own like American sake, and I made sure to retweet my "All cops are bad, even gay cops" right before Atlanta Pride. Please be peaceful, be vigilant, be looking out for each other this weekend in Atlanta Pride. Uh, it needs to be safe. It needs to be wonderful. After the music Midtown fiasco, I want everyone to have fun. I'm sad I'm missing it, but please take care of each other, look out for each other, all types, look out. Um, that means you, Bears. Bears, you got to look out for the lesbians this weekend. Please, God. Not just, not just, but like, please, God. Be safe. So we are walking around and we go first to Golden Guy. Now, Golden Guy has a rich history. World War II was bombed out. There's a lot of instances of this kind of cultural depletion because of what we did over there. And I don't know whose side is right. I don't care. I'm not getting into that. This place was bombed out. It was rebuilt as smaller markets. And then it was uh, then turned into kind of a black market. And out of that, all these miniature bars were formed. Now, we probably only had me, Drew, Manser, J John Wayne, Jimmy, AJ. Six of us. Six is too many to roll into one of these bars with. The first bar we went into, known famously for their lemon drops, upstairs, the tightest staircase you've ever seen. All these bars are. Nothing fits you. I had to use the restroom there. Now, still a great toilet. Drew Parker, one of his closest friends, who's also a, a Brit, uh, Chris Brooks. We've never met in real life, but I feel like uh, I have such an admiration for him. He lives in Japan as well most of the time. Works with Choco Pro, works with DDT, does a lot of wrestling. He is, I think, six foot five shoot. He might be taller. He might be six foot six or seven. I'm not sure. Giant British boy. I was sitting on this toilet in this bar that I had to use. And you would think if this was an American establishment, you'd be like, I don't even want to ask him to use the bathroom. They want you. They want you comfortable where you are. And you basically are renting out this whole bar. So all I could think was that boy definitely does not fit in Japan and has had the hardest time of anyone because he is a giant in this world. AJ, and we have video of that, couldn't even barely fit through some of the tunnels. The tunnels are 6'4", he's 6'3". Shoot, shoot. Not fed height. 
his, he goes, I don't like this. I said, I know, but we got to get there. And this is the way we got to go under Ikebukuro station. We got to get down there. So there are moments where you're just, you're not built for that size of place. And we know it right away because there are five of us at the bar. And then Jimmy has to sit on the staircase, which goes up to another level, even higher. But the bar is so small that when we order drinks, Jimmy can reach down and get his drink from above the balcony and pull it up (laughs) and appear to us. And we all sat, I had a Coca-Cola, which I think I'm still dehydrated because you cannot drink enough while you're there. It's a different humidity. I even tried to do some research while I was there, which even having Wi-Fi, the location services of my phone are blasted and ruined. So even if I save it on Google, it's still pulling everything up Japanese to the point where even if I was on Wi-Fi, at a certain point I give up and I just go, I don't care anymore. But the humidity, even as someone who's lived in Florida, the South, South Carolina, Georgia, my whole life a very different humidity. The sunlight was so direct. And I know we're a little more Northern. We're really higher than people think next to Korea, next to Russia. It hits in a way where it drains you of all your liquids and foot traffic is the way to get around. So I'm dripping all day and walking on top of that. You mentioned to me that there was some shirt ringing that happened at a certain point. We will get to the shirt ringing, which is, the streak of, and I'm jumping a little ahead, but it is it warmed my heart very much and brought positivity to me and a certain peace to know that I don't drink alcohol anymore. I have no desire to drink alcohol. There are other things I do, whatever. Going out and dancing now as a comfortable person in myself where I don't have to dull it. I don't have to add anything. I can just go out and dance and feel it. Added with the confusion of... No one here speaks my language or really knows me. And if they do know me, it's for being cool. So what's the worry? I love dancing at the club. I've disliked bars for a while. I've had that negativity in my head. I've let that negativity go. It's not for every night. It's not for all the time. Just dancing and going out and dancing to corny top 40 music and remixes and drops. I'd forgotten how much fun that version of myself was. And I don't have to shut that guy off. And I learned it in the UK and I cemented that bitch in the, in the Tokyo Japan clubs. But Golden Gay, guy, I keep wanting to call it Golden Gay. It's magical. It's very fun. Now I will say, uh, part of my voice being gone, and AJ roasted me for this at a part in the trip. I smoked a lot of cigarettes there. I had conversations with people. <coughs> And maybe we leave a couple coughs in so they know. I think I just cleared something, Peter, so we're good. Cool. The cigarettes are the only thing you can smoke. They are extremely cheap. They do not have additives. They are strong. They are everywhere. They're magic. I'm sorry. As someone who smokes cigarettes, I know there's a lot of bad things about them. They're very fun. Sorry. Get over it. If you hate cigarettes, I get it. AJ hates cigarettes. I get it. You stink. It's gross. It's nasty. He wants to smoke them. I'm a bad peer pressure influence. I get it. We were smoking cigarettes, but you cannot in Japan smoke cigarettes outside. Everyone smokes cigarettes. A lot of the bars will let you smoke cigarettes. Some say, hey, that's not for us. Maybe we have a little spot in the back. There are places indoors everywhere to smoke cigarettes. I love that. And I don't want to say that it was the coolest people I've ever seen in these places. Like at the Sky Tree, which we will discuss later in detail. I saw a guy and they're just, some of it's just attitude they have such a fashion and confidence that it's like, I don't know if I'm attracted to you or if I just think you're the coolest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Standing there smoking in the oversized with the hair back with the hoop earrings. Of course, 
And we'll get to how I even got this hearing in the first place, because that's fascinating about Japan, too. They have a trusting you to do basic tasks, which America cannot give its people. Yeah, I did it myself, bro. Whoa. We'll get there. Golden Gate, we explore a little more. There's another bar there that we went to later and ended up meeting some people from Indiana who knew about AEW, knew about wrestling, and knew Joey Janela, and we talked to them more about what we were doing. But we left the area to go to the club. Because Drew said, it's midnight, it's time to go to the club, it's Sunday, we're going. This club requires that you enter with a mask, and then they don't really care. The mask culture is prevalent everywhere there. You you wear a mask everywhere. I noticed that in the video. Pre and post-COVID, you wear a mask because under no circumstance would you ever want to risk disrespecting a person in the worst way by killing them or giving them disease, whether you have it or not. And why do I want to breathe everyone's breath? Everyone wears a mask. Even the guys on the train, they're looking around, they're going, we better just wear the mask. All of us, we're wearing the mask, sweating 100 degrees, wear the mask. When you get to the show, wear the mask. When you're calling the match backstage, wear the mask. Masks are everywhere, and you get more done wearing the mask because they trust you. And even the attempt of having the mask and going for it, it gets further. I'm I'm personally I the only time I've been sick is when I've gotten COVID since 2020, like that's it. I haven't had anything else the whole time. Yeah, the masks actually I think help a lot. I'm not opposed to it. Here's the only way I'm opposed to it. Boy, do I sweat. I will say yeah. with the jumping back into masks all the time, it was a little hard. And AJ jokingly had a great quote on the trip where. We're going somewhere, whatever, whatever. I don't even think about telling him to put his mask on. Sometimes I have to tell the other boys just because we're trying our best, but we forget things. He goes, I think I'm an anti-masker. That's all he said, and it was the funniest thing I've ever heard. He wasn't. He's not. Yeah, that's really funny. It came at a great moment. It came at, we learned a lot about each other on this trip, and I love it. It's magic. Um, He had some really good quotes that I hope he will come over. We are going to do an episode with AJ. And I'm saying this here because I already told him, I'm telling you, I think our best bet is to get him on an evening. Let me get him a beer. Let him really recount. Yeah. Because his version is going to be very, very different than my version. We'll do Weekend at Effie's, AJ's version. Weekend at Benny's. Weekend at Benny's. On the way to you, which I think will be... What do you call him, by the way? We had a whole debate about his name the last time we hung out. I call him everything. I switch between Benny and AJ constantly. When there are more AJs around, I typically go, Benny... Then sometimes I just say AJ, but the thing is he introduces himself as both two. So I just sort of like, I think professionally he's Benny. I think AJ everywhere else, but then he AJs cautiously after being Benny, but then he Benny's later when he's drunk to people who he first AJed. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) Benny Alvin does come out sometimes. Benny Alvin's a different girl. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love both of them. The grand dame has arrived. Sometimes I say, and I think she might come out for pride. I love her. So, we make our way to the club, and at one point, Drew is Drew knows Will Ospreay. I've, I've, you know, we've met, we've been on shows. I'm not going to act like we're best buds forever or know each other that well. He said, when you go to walk, tell him the billy goat sent you. So I jokingly, sheepishly go up and I go, the billy goat sent me. They don't give a fuck. Now, at this point, and I've learned this, and I don't know what it is. I'm a visual and experienced learner. So as the trip goes on, my Japanese gets better and better, except for one day, which we'll get to where I was just blanked. But 
At this point, not a lot of Japanese knowledge. I'm trying my best. I'm learning phrases. Drew Parker speaks fluent Japanese. He's been here three years. He has made the hard attempt to speak Japanese. He says 10 minutes a day. That's what it takes. I can't do his voice right now. I can't do voices. Maybe I will later. We don't know. So we finally enter. We pay our, our fee. A little more than the girls pay because, you know, it's a lot of guys in the club. Less foreigners than I expected, but some foreigners. Um, but a lot of just Japanese men our age, Japanese girls our age, people partying, regular partying. You get a free drink ticket with your entry, even though it's expensive. Now, Mansur wasn't in the UK. But John Wayne Murdoch was. And what fascinates me about John Wayne Murdoch, and we've had our fights, we've had our history, we've had our goods and bads. There's no reason in this world that me and John Wayne Murdoch should have been to so many damn sick nightclubs together at this point in our lives. We are both wild Southern professional wrestlers. We both have too many matches per year. We both do dangerous shit sometimes. We're both outlaw rebels. We both want to get paid. We both put our fucking heart into it. And he really showed out on this tour. But the amount of times I've looked up dancing at a nightclub and seen that outlaw son of a bitch, John Wayne Murdoch, with me and gone, what the fuck? This is incredible. How's our lives taking this turn from us working shit shows in Indiana and Georgia and Tennessee and Florida to being in fucking Tokyo, Japan and Liverpool at nightclubs. It is beyond fascinating. And now I'm here not only with all my wrestling friends, but something I learned early in life is you should cross streams. These streams should cross. In my mind, I went rarely have my partner, AJ and Joey Janela ever hung out briefly only. And Joey's always going, you got to bring him to Atlantic city. You got to bring him to LA, bring him somewhere. We want to hang out with him. I mean, we'd have fun. And he's going, I always have fun when I'm around them. They always want to party. It's wild. So now we're combining it. Now Joey's not here yet, but we're out with enough people. And I love the dichotomy between AJ and Jimmy Lloyd, because Jimmy is sort of like all the things AJ has sort of, I don't want to say like he's, you know, hammered him out of me but he's helped me become a better more responsible grown adult male jimmy doesn't really follow by those rules so they kind of interact in a way where it's a playful kind of he's being the dad but there's no consequence to aj so he kind of lets a lot more slide and they get along really well and it's fun we dance we do it at a certain point though call it i know i've got to wrestle tomorrow i don't know what i'm getting into i've got to show out i'm wrestling the promoter who's tag-teaming with a deathmatch legend in Daisuke Masaoka. Daisuke Masaoka. It's, I'm going to have fun with this. Daisuke Masaoka and Sasaki. And I'm, I, I think it's Taguchi Sasaki. I don't. I might be wrong. It might be Takaguchi Sasaki. We'll get it right later. We'll do some check-ins. I don't care right now. It's Sasaki-san to me. I know I've got this coming. We get back to the Airbnb. We get a little rest. And now... Uh, we are waking into our first morning in Tokyo. And at this point, I've slept a little longer than I probably should, but we were out, we partied. The trains don't run after midnight. It's infuriating. You have to take a taxi, but we can call taxis via Uber, which is fantastic. And tipping culture is frowned upon. Not just it doesn't exist. They will hand it back to you. The first night we were there before we even went out, me and AJ wandered out to go to a ramen restaurant and speaking no Japanese and trying to figure it out, we were the only people in the restaurant. Restaurants, much like those bars, hold 10 people at most. We tried to leave a tip, and he gave it back to me. Walked around the table. Insane. Taxis, Ubers, they don't want the tip. They want the rating. They don't want the tip. That's crazy. 
Maybe they should have won the war. All right. I think uh, they had a museum exhibit where they explained that uh, in pretty good detail. Um, I don't want to pick sides anymore. I think in the future, we all need to be under one nation. I'm with, uh, was it Talib Kweli who said he had an international passport and he could cross any border? (laughs) Yeah. That's where I stand. Although I've never had any issues at customs anywhere. So let's go. Turn up, do the right thing, turn in your paperwork, play by the rules, and then you can break the rules later. Everyone's getting ready to leave, and I'm a little frazzled, and I'm fine with admitting that. Because this is your very first match in Japan. Yes. Very first day we're doing matches in Japan. I have no idea what to expect. I don't speak Japanese. I'm hoping to make merch money. Just to give like a full picture, how many days were you in Japan, like from landing till your first match? I left less than a day. So we landed, well, no, a day. I landed at two. The first match was probably around 8 p.m., on the next day. On the next day. We went out. We clubbed. We saw right. it. And and the time is so skewed that it doesn't really... I'll say this. I slept and didn't sleep at all times during Japan. In the sense that like sometimes it was an afternoon nap. Sometimes it was a morning nap. Sometimes it was at night. Sometimes it was not at night. It never reduced my tired or confusion. And I learned to just live with it. Like accepting that early. And I had to just accept it after the first day. Because I'll be honest... I was a little frazzled and I'm, you know, like I want to show out, I want to do it. And also Peter, I present a product that isn't, uh, I have full confidence in what I do. I love my wrestling ability. Explaining it across cultural borders sometimes has been successful, but is a little harder and I want to make sure it's good. But I know that I have a slight reputation just because of the Suzuki match and how far his reach is of what I do and what I can do. But they're signing me up for more hardcore, more death, things like that. So I've got to kind of show it in a different way. As everyone was sort of a little more prepared uh, than me to get to Shinkiba First Ring, where most of the shows were taking place. I did one, two, three shows at Shinkiba First Ring, and it's a historic venue that we'll talk about. But I also did two shows at Corken Hall. And you've probably seen Corken Hall in Japanese wrestling videos I know I was first uh, shown it long ago. It's also a famous sumo venue. We're going to talk about a different sumo venue later from the Edo period that hosted one of three sumo events that took place during this uh, period of rule. Very historic site that we oopsied upon. But getting down to Shinkiba, everyone else left, and I thought confidently, me and AJ will be fine. I know what I'm doing. I really don't have service, but his phone uh, was not as charged as I thought. So as I'm kind of rushing out the door, AJ says, look, catch up with them because they weren't that far ahead. I'm an adult. I'm fine. I still was in protector mode. I have to, my little flower. I keep thinking back to that scene in Tanya, which was a great movie, but I only remember one scene, which is when the mom looks at her new boyfriend, husband and says, in every relationship, there's a flower and a gardener. I hope you're a gardener because she's a flower. I always think of him as my little flower. And really, that's not true at all. It's not a true statement. There are times where I'm the flower. There are times where he is the flower. We both garden each other and we want to lift each other up. Mm-hmm. I need to trust in my brain, especially if I'm going to get him on the amazing race and then get him into Big Brother, uh, because we're both reaching the point where we are really good at traveling together, better than we thought. I need to trust that he's a grown adult who can do it because I waited. I got his phone charger. We rushed. He didn't have his phone charged. Everyone had already gotten on the station. I'm not familiar with the area yet, and I'm a little too confident in myself sometimes, Peter. So I'm wandering, and I'm getting flustered. 
when we get flustered, if he gets a little flustered, I take it sensitively. I've learned this and I am a fixer. So I'm like, when I see fluster, I'm like, I need to fix the fluster Mm -hmm. by getting more flustered. What am I doing? Eventually he goes, I'm taking over. He tracks down a taxi. We get in the taxi and he goes, next time, listen to me, go with them, get on the train. I'm an adult. He's right. I listened to him from then on out. I listened to him about the Airbnb learning that I don't have to be in control of everything and that he is more efficient than I ever put magic on. It's wonderful and it's beautiful. And it, it's a weight I hold because I want him to have the best experience possible all the time, but it's a weight that's unnecessary because he is able to make his own joy too. And he said, look, I just give me a second. I want to come to the arena when I get there and I should have just trusted him and let him, we show up a little flustered to Shankiba. Now, luckily he knows we just have to put everything a little on ice. Now we're also a little tired from the night before we honor that we recognize it in each other. He's helping me with merch. He's helping everyone with merch. He's also the most efficient poster person Brett has ever had. Now, no offense to Scarlett, no offense to Dana, no offense to everyone who helps get everyone's name on those posters for GCW, which is a good income source and helps us do things like pay for visas, travel to Japan, get flights to, you know, these little things add up. He had everyone, including, and I would have been even nervous at this point, all the Japanese talent, which thank God he sort of doesn't have. I've seen all these guys and studied them forever. These are Japanese legends. We're not just going over here with like, I've often told people in wrestling, network horizontally, you know, work with the people around you, lift each other up, you'll rise together. This was not horizontal. These are legends. Japanese deathmatch, regular wrestling, all sorts. He has no concept of this. You need to sign all of these right now. Okay, they do it right away. (laughs) Right now, sign these. Come here, sign them. Not that marker. Sign it. It looks better in silver. Do you need silver? Do you have it? Y'all have nothing. He's texting me right now. Hold on. You can leave it. Just let him feel it. Let him feel it a little raw where you can. There's certain moments you got to edit here because I'm crazy. Now, the first night, like I said, uh, Sasaki, Masaoka, both death legends. But they said, listen, first night of tour, we already have a lot of death on this show. There were a lot of big death card matches, death match card uh, matches, which they call them. They call them games or contests over there. And they call us the players. They don't, they were not even wrestlers. We're the players. <laughs> These players had a great game last night. The fact that they like, everybody knows, you know, me and Jeff Jarrett had that conversation long ago. No shade with him on saying this of, I said, Jeff, you know, you only have the little bits to get them. He said, no, nah, that's how it's always been. But there is once again, the respect it's a word I'll use over and over of us as performers and players that they honor the kayfabe, they honor everything here. This is also the first time me and Schlack are tagging, and it's against the promoter and one of the best deathmatch guys of all time. We won. Now, I got out there, and I gave them full effie. I fell to my knees. I did silly things. I kicked men in the face. I did tarantulas. This is the first time these fans are seeing me, and before the show, we were setting up. We were being a little snippy, which is fine. He's... You know, they haven't seen me yet. Some people know me. Some people know Effie. They paid attention. He said, are are you as over as you thought you'd be? You might not be as over as you thought. And he was being a little like, don't, don't act like a diva because you're not there yet. But also was being like, we don't need to put all this merch out right now. Go get over and then we'll deal with it. In my way, that's how I heard it. Once I got a look at Effie being Effie and I was no one but Effie. 
they fell in love. And I'm not saying that from just my point of view, which it was, I was like, mm. and part of the hardness of this tour in particular in Japanese wrestling right now is many of the promotions, including freedoms, they do not allow you to scream, yell, make noise with your mouth. You have to just clap. That's GC dub. That's Effie, Effie, Effie. You honor these clouds and you know what they're saying. And sometimes you have moments where they're not even doing it to get attention, but there's, oh, just because they're so into it and they're ready to follow and they trust you as a performer. In America, sometimes you feel like audiences are a little ready to hate something. And with the amount of wrestling they see, you'd think, I get it. You know, you see a lot. If somebody's just doing the same old crap, you're kind of over it. Maybe you yell, you start being volatile. Some people do that, you know, in matches and it's disrespectful. But here, you're only going to hear the audible gasp if it's an oopsie because they're not allowed. These are sold out crowds. The building location, this is so fascinating to me. It's down at a dockyard, shipyard, all the way in the bay in Shinkiba Station. And this was the first time I talked to cops. I said, where's the venue? I said, puroresu, my favorite word, puroresu. They pointed me right there. We get there, it's chill. Now, the only person that wasn't there that night so far was Jun Kasai, I believe. Uh, and he was coming the next day. And I'll get into more of the story. I caught Jun Kasai, Kasai-san, at a very interesting time. But this first match, I gave him what we had. We kept it pretty simple. That was at the request of the promoter. And I get it because they don't really know me. They know Schlagson, but they don't know me. And this is the first time. And... The Effie epiphany was in full force. And to have it with the promoter the full night, the first night, and with a legend like Masaoka, and I'm going to be working with a lot of his peers, getting a little stamp of approval, pretty great. Because not only was I able to take their bumps well, I was able to get their stuff over. I call matches the Japanese way. Because as we'll see more and more, and this is not in all cases, there are very different types of wrestling in Japan. Japanese wrestling for Effie is Memphis. And the Japanese guys love the Memphis style. When I say Memphis, here's what I mean. Emphasis on character. Time to sell emotion. Time to sell reaction. Time to work moves in. Making less moves mean more. Where a pile driver could end the match. Where in some of these newer matches, no offense, they use it early, you know they're going to kick out. There's a period of a 30 or 40 minute match you watch where you go, why am I watching this part except for just to experience it? Because I know you guys are kicking out at two until at least 18 to 20 minutes. Why? There's no drama in that for me. But in a 10 to 12 minute match where a pile driver could end it, everything is very intense. And it's built around us putting on the most exciting, easy to understand story possible using a lot of different techniques and sleight of hand and magic in a sense to get these characters and their emotions across using pro wrestling more as a storytelling than just pro wrestling is sport. And there it is sport, Peter. Pro wrestling is sport. But the blend of it being serious as sport and entertainment where someone like Effie in pantyhose can be taken as a serious competitor, but also you understand when I'm getting cheeky too, and you're allowing me to uh, give you that and give me full perception of that. It creates a real magic in what you're able to do in matches. And this defining border of language, which you try to understand, and there's certain words, brain booster for suplex, which I now call a dumper, brain booster. They get certain words across that make sense. And 
especially for guys that have been in this business a long time here, when they see how Effie bumps the working part, the selling part, and the way I'm able to make it easier for them to make their moves look good, they are willing to play along more and more. And I think this had a little bit of a, a helping hand in what happened with me and, with me and Jun Kasai. After the match with Sasaki and Masaoka, they were sort of bragging to everyone, and I hadn't done any death yet, and so there's still the question in the air of, you know, Effie-san is entertaining, Effie-san is, uh, as they say, cute, sexy, Effie-san very sexy, they tell me this, this is, I'm telling it how they tell me, they tell me I'm very sexy, and I love hearing it, and they want to buy a picture, they want an autograph, they want to take a picture of me, and when you give them a cute pose, and you give them something extra in that sense, they love it. They come back. They want to meet you again. But they know when they get to the front of the table, listen carefully, y'all. I love you. Love you all. I want to hear everything. I love I love your experiences with Effie. When they get to the table, they have the money already out. <laughs> There's no confusion. What size do you have? I only have this size. I watched Jimmy Lloyd, the legend. No passport. He already knew. Your passport's at Narita. He has 10 days to go get this passport. He's flying out of Hanada. He's not even flying out of the same airport. And I'm in a foreign country. If I had lost my passport and gone more than a day, uh, I would have been stressed. But also, AJ would have made my ass go back to Narita and said, you better go get your damn passport. And I would have. Jimmy doesn't care. There's a balance. Jimmy says, uh, hey, I only have 4X in this shirt. It's still same price. Sold them all. Nobody there wore a 4X. He goes, sign it and hang it up. Pictures, pennants. We made it move, and they love the little stuff. Now, Peter, you're the only one who knows this so far, besides, I guess, if they saw the reel, the reel that I put up. You saved me a little bit. My shirts were delivered after we left for Japan, mm -hmm. and so were my stickers. Those got moved in by AJ, thank God. So I was entering Japan with far less merchandise than I expected. And so in the last second, I'm going, let me throw everything I can in here. I had a lot of 8x10s. A lot of the guys were getting them printed over there. I had to teach Nick Wayne that 25 pictures was never enough. It would never be enough. You're the young gun sensation. Nick Wayne, you're the youngest American to ever tour Japan. You're the youngest American to ever tour Japan. 25 pictures. Everyone wants to meet Nick Wayne. They want to meet Jordan Oliver. They want to meet Deathmatch legend Alex Cologne. They want to meet Jimmy Lloyd. They want to meet Schlechson, who got yelled at because he kept bleeding on the concrete. And they said, we can't lose this building venue. He said, I tried to clean it. I tried to clean it. I'm wrapped up. I don't know what you want me to do. I got to bleed. They love just watching him like a wild animal. It's incredible. And he's also the guy who like the Japanese guys will be like, uh, do you want to do this horrible thing in the ring? That's the most violent, terrible thing ever. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'll do it. No, I'll kick your ass. It's incredible. They want to meet everybody. And after the match, they want to meet Effie. Now the timing of these shows, Peter, these are two-hour shows with six to seven matches, and we are told specifically, show is at 6, 7, 7 p.m. show starts, 6.15 we let in VIP, 6.30 we let in everyone. Show starts at 7, you better be done selling merch and ready to go. Show ends at 9, you have 20 minutes. So given giving the fans this sort of timeline, they're going in, they want to meet everyone, they want to get down the line, they want to spend money, we love it. And I am selling everything I could toss in this thing. Thank God. But they don't smoke weed. So you're going, how do you sell rolling trays over there? Money trays. Everywhere you go, nobody wants to hand money directly to each other. 
every restaurant, every gas station, bus fares, ta- everything. You don't touch each other's money hand to hand. You put it down, they give it, they put the change back. So I just said, money trays, Brilliant. money trays. I had trading cards of all sorts, random. I had random eight by tens. I had a bunch of leftover shirts that Matt Justice had got me that had just been sitting at his house. Thank God they got there in time. With all this, it was looking nice. And I said, if I can come out of this trip breaking even, and listen, in America, Effie gets a better rate than he gets in Japan because Effie's never been to Japan. I was taken care of fine for my matches, but it's there's a give and take. And we honor that and we all know it and we go. It's great. I made money. But I said to myself, if I can fund this trip with merch and this match money and have all the experiences I want to have with AJ and with our friends and going out and doing things and break even, then I'll be happy. Will I be a little behind? Fine. But I paid my rent before I left. I paid October's rent September 23rd. And after I saw the first night of merch money, I said, I think we're going to be all right. We go home, we get food. It took us a little longer. Actually, AJ went home before me and we went out to eat steak. This is my first steakhouse dinner. Now they have like fancy steak, Wagyu steak, these sorts of things at restaurants, but specifically and historically in pro wrestling, the restaurants you go to are these American style steakhouses. Now I will say this. I only did it once. A lot of these guys ate at three, four different steakhouses. Mr. Danger, one of them, the one we went to that night, Billy, the kids, uh, they have another one called, uh, Ribera steakhouse. And they famously have the wrestling jackets that a lot of the old historic guys wear. They don't really give them out anymore. It's a different vibe. Mr. Dangerous is run by an old deathmatch wrestler. So people are trying to go in there and get that picture with him. He cooks the steak. His son runs another one. They went to that one accidentally one night. Not the right one. No offense, but you're not, you know, you're Mr. Danger Jr. Uh, Peter, I've had so many numbers, coincidences, synchronicities this whole trip. It's not even worth mentioning. Like it's to the point where it's laughable, where it happens at every moment. And, but you know what it tells me and, and whether any of it's real or not, I'll tell you this. As I see these things, as I notice things together, as I match things up, I'm on the right path. Sometimes I'm not even going in the right direction. I thought sometimes I'm exploring, I'm wandering, I'm getting lost, which is so much fucking fun. We may devote a whole entire extra episode to getting how much fun getting lost is in Tokyo. But throughout all that, I'm, I'm going back because um, I'm jumping too much. The steakhouse. You get a massive 40-ounce steak, which I don't even know how big that is, which they traditionally serve with two things. Corn chowder and then some corn on the side a big slab of butter on top of the meat. And on the side of the table, you have uh, soy sauce, garlic, and chili, chili, uh, like oiled chili, not like just chili oil, but like the chili pepper. I got a Coca-Cola, everybody else obviously drinking beer. That's like their equivalent of whenever we order something that doesn't have ketchup. And we (laughs) add ketchup. Yeah. But it's also the thought of like, no, Americans love corn with everything. (laughs) Now at another point, and this is a huge jump ahead, there's there's the Don Quixote, which I will get into in full detail. This is obviously going to be a split episode. We are everywhere with this, and I'm on day two, one. I'm on day one of shows. But I want to at least get to the first Corican before we do anything different. Um, they are completely uh, artistically 
designed these steakhouses to look like Old West saloons. And the best part is this, Peter. The, the waiters are modern Japanese men, but they're all wearing cowboy hats. Nothing else is cowboy. He was wearing like oversized shirt, oversized jean, hoop earrings, swoop hair, like looked like a star. And all the guys put an effort to their looks there. It's incredible. It makes you want to step your pussy up. And that's a gay term, but step your pussy up. I want to step my pussy up around these Japanese men. And the fact that they're wearing these silly cowboy hats, they were willing to help us take pictures. They're dealing with us being annoying Americans who are starving for a big slab of meat with some sides and some corn, too many beers. Jimmy Lloyd's sitting there going, I ordered two Jack and Cokes. Where's that? And I'm like, let him get the food out, Jimbo. We eat and eat. Uh, I want to first mention here, uh, and there's so many of us on this trip, and it's hard to, you know, it's like going to summer camp in a sense where, you know, there's 10 people. We are around each other all day. We are making group decisions together. You end up in weird groups with people out of just oopsie or necessity or, hey, this is a thing we're doing. Are you joining this or doing else? Hey, I'm doing else. And then you split. And it could be a random weird split of all these people, of John Wayne and Janella and Jimbo and Drew Parker and Scarlett and uh, Dan Perch, one of the, my favorite referees of all time. We've worked together many times. Dan Perch gets fired up when you give him a finish. He goes, what are we doing for the finish, Effie? He's from Wisconsin, Milwaukee. We saw Wisconsin sweatshirts together and he goes, that gets me fired up. They just wear English word sweatshirts. And if they've traveled overseas to do studying, which a lot of them do, like why one of them had, you know, the Milwaukee shirt and then someone had what it, uh, I, w- I want to remember there was a Burlington, Vermont sweatshirt <laughs> that I was really into it just says Burlington, Vermont. But you think about like, we would get peace, love, joy in Japanese yeah, 100%. fast everywhere. Fascinating. Uh, Milwaukee's a, such a perfect. Spot what is, is there though. a town called Pascula? I think so. I think it was Pascagoula. I think it was Pascagoula, okay. Mississippi. Unbelievable. Okay, back to where we were. We eat all these steaks. The Japanese boys take care of us. I love it. I can tell I'm becoming an old queen because I, I think I said to I said to Jim when I got back, our good friend Jim, I said, uh, and not to get too deep, but I think I'm figuring out as I grow older that sexually what I'm actually attracted to is charisma and power and letting myself be a little subby. The confidence of these Japanese men is, I fell in love every 20 minutes. I would tell AJ that I'd be like, that, look how hot he is. He looks like a young Minoru Suzuki. Oh my God, that outfit. I can't tell if I want the outfit or him. It's fascinating, but also the Japanese women too are just as confident and beautiful and walk with purpose it's magic, Peter. We uh, finish. AJ got some sleep that night because he partied too much the night before. We end up just hanging out watching wrestling. There were a lot of moments where during tired periods, back to like those mini types of rest, it was just all us boys in the living room doing what? Watching wrestling. Watching old Eddie Guerrero matches. Watching old Shawn Michaels matches. Watching old Dragon Gate matches. Uh, and you say, you know, like, oh, you should all be out exploring Japan. Baby, trust me. There was so much exploration time that sometimes you need to just like order a bad Domino's pizza and go back and hear some things that you've heard before. Like there's a magic to that Did in between you everything. Did order a Domino's pizza? Oh, multiple times people would order them and I would steal a slice. Never directly did I order a Domino's pizza. But one night I did buy everybody curry, which we'll get to later. Big night. You never know who you're going to run into. How was the pizza? Peter, the pizza in Tokyo. I'll say this. I got back from Tokyo and last night, no, night before when I first got back midnight, 1 a.m., I ordered pizza from a not to be named place in Atlanta late night though. 
way worse than any pizza I had in Tokyo. It was nice to be reminded that anybody can fuck up a pizza. Tokyo, pretty good pizza. And they got weird pizza. Teriyaki chicken pizza, better than you think. Say it and I'll bleep it out the pizza place. Uh, It's called... Okay. Yeah, Horrific. Okay. Dry, yeah. overcooked. The cheese bread was the driest shit I've ever had. Cranberry almost spit out the cheese bread. That's how you know it's rough. I do want to say during this time... We did make the expensive decision, but the best decision, Cranberry, the day before I left for Japan, Cranberry went to grandma's house in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I drove the four hours there, dropped off the dog with AJ's dad, who I don't know if we've discussed his dad before here. Love him. He's awesome. We brought him some cool action figures. He's into pop culture, Marvel movies, action films. There's a lot in common. He's also 6'5 and like 300 pounds of muscle, and it's just me and him, and I'm giving him dog instructions, and I forgot the food. And he's telling me, no big deal. I said, I'll give you money right now. He said, dude, just, it's chill. It's good. This is good for us to have a dog here. She's excited. I'm excited. Don't worry about it. AJ was a a little uh, miffed by that, and I understand, because I should have just picked up the food. I couldn't find a place to stop. Cranberry's in the car. I've been driving four hours. My Bluetooth's fucking up. We're way away from that moment now. Bebop, though, we took him to get boarded. He doesn't want to leave, and they don't want him to leave. They're like, um, Bebop is our favorite. We play fetch with him extra because he's so good, and we wish he would come back every day. And there was even a point, and I'll get to it later, I think in detail, where Bebop got me right back into my brain, and I'm not going to say it now. This is going to be the longest episode ever. I don't give a fuck. We're going to be like Dan Carlin Hardcore History, but it's Hardcore Effie seven-hour episodes. Fuck on them. Fuck on them. Only you can hear the experience of Effie in Japan from Effie here, and I'm going to keep talking through chaos. It will emerge as a beautiful story in the end, and you'll go, I can't believe we went everywhere. Day two, I also wake up slightly nervous. Now, I'm probably forgetting some things from that Tuesday. I'll have AJ fill me back in. And I'm probably forgetting some things from that Monday because we were up late doing stuff. I don't even know what. I had to step up and face probably the biggest deathmatch legend of all time. There could be arguments made for one to three other guys, including people like Onita, also Japanese, FMW, uh, including people uh, like Cactus Jack McFoley, who's now against German suplexes. Me and McFoley share a birthday and I've really enjoyed getting to know him and talking to him. He's probably right about Germans, but if you do Germans, you got to ban everything. It's a dangerous sport. He jumped off a building. Um, and probably Nick fucking Gage, who this weekend in Atlantic City, with not much of a break in between for our Japanese boys, uh, is fighting John Moxley for the belt. And if he loses, he is forced to retire. He's done. And John Moxley has not lost in a long time. And John Moxley is not on AEW pay-per-view, so it's very hard to go into this thinking that Nick might have bitten off more than he can chew. We'll see. He's been beaten by Moxley many times. I don't know his record against Moxley. Nick Gage has been in the gym with Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver. Mostly Jordan Oliver. Jordan and Nick were on fire this whole tour. I haven't really brought them up yet, and I will. I'm nervous to talk about Jun Kasai because I, I don't want to overshare, but I have to share so much. They came in with matching gear. They came in looking like brothers. And we'll talk about a brother moment with Jun Kasai with those two. They came in knowing their moveset, looking ridiculous like they've been in the gym, flexing, making it happen, working on their cardio. I even had a talk with Jordan Oliver towards the end where he said, I still sometimes am nervous 
that I will not have the cardio for what I called. And I said, Jordan, I've seen you do incredible things in that ring that no human should even be able to do. And I've never even seen you have a moment of doubt of your cardio or second guessing. Even when you get beat the fuck up or do crazy shit, it blows my mind that you would have that nerve. But I think that nerve makes you sharper because it makes you pay attention. You notice your breathing. You notice the way you move. Watching Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver now as a tag team, unbelievable. I will take credit for this, though. In the second Cork and Hall show, and I don't want to forget this because there's too much Cork and I have to say this now because everyone's seen the pictures of them in the tassel shirts. Jordan Oliver says to me, quietly, privately, and this isn't the first time I've heard this question, so it could go one of a hundred ways. Hey, Effie, will you help me out? It's, there's something gay I need help with. And he did not mean that in an offensive way at all. He just meant, I know you have better experience with this. You're going to make it look better. Uh, you have a gay hand. I've seen you do this to shirts. We need our shirts to look good. I need you to tassel me and Nick Wayne's shirts. And here's what I'm thinking. Go for it. I did so good. Any picture of them I'm retweeting because of the tassels and because they've been busting their ass. I know we sidebar before Jim Kasai, but I want to say this. This weekend in AC, the first night... I already know my match. It's not announced yet, though. Maybe by the time this is out, it will be. I think it's a singles. I'm very excited. It's the first time we would have a singles. It's neither of those guys. I won't bring it up. Sunday in AC, the second show, Bussy is facing Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. I don't know their tag team name yet, but it should be uh, Young, Dumb, and Rich because they're about to make a lot of money. And they impressed a lot of people in Japan. And they didn't have to do deathmatch. It's not why they were brought in. But those two had beautiful tassel shirts because of Effie's magical gay t-shirt skills. They look beautiful. That I've honed for a long time. And I said to Jordo, I said, I can't even ask Nick this, but I can ask you because you're a grown man. You want slut cuts in the back? He says, what are you talking about? I go, well, they used to call them Hogan cuts. I go, they're called slut cuts though because they show a little more skin. And he said, yeah. So I put three cuts in the back with the tassels. Those two are incredible. Uh, back to this. Now, I eat a lot of great food, and we have to take, and I'm getting to Junkasai, I promise, but I'm nervous. I'm over here shaking, thinking about it. I'm still scared of the man, and we've kissed, and I've taken pictures with him. But we have to talk about these convenience stores. Now, first, we experienced the one that felt most familiar to us, the 7-Eleven. And it is the most overwhelming first time you go in, in a positive way, to go into a Japanese convenience store. Because, Peter, they have everything... And everything more that you would never need and everything you didn't think you'd need from socks to masks to makeup to jewelry to toys to magazines to books. How much in the videos is it just convenience stores? Because there's I don't a know. lot of shops that you're in. Probably a lot of them because they're every hundred meters, much like the uh, vending machines, which aren't just, they're mostly drinks, every type of drink, energy drinks, sodas, waters, teas, lemons, colas, grape juice. The fruit juice is so good there, but that's just the start because every single thing is made fresh every single day. The food you are getting in these seven elevens or the family marts or the Lawson's or one of a dozen other convenience stores around is made fresh every day to the point where if I didn't get in early, I'd miss my egg sandwich. Alex Cullen told me, he goes, if you don't get in there early, you miss the egg sandwich. And I'm thinking, there's all kind of egg everywhere. Everything has egg. No, no, no. This egg sandwich on white bread is the best food I think I've ever consumed in my life. Followed only and rivaled only by the ice cream bars there, which are covered in waffle cone and everywhere. You want a little raspberry one? 
You want one with chocolate in the middle? It is self-contained. It does not melt out. It stays cold. It is crunchy every time. Only once did I have one that was stale. Drew said, I don't get those anymore because I'm vegan, but also because they're stale sometimes. I said, I haven't had one stale one yet. It's been the freshest ice cream ever. But not just that, they would have apple pie tart ice creams, all kinds of ice creams, custards, crepes filled with chocolates and puddings, cheesecakes, pudding cups, souffles of pudding, limitless on meat. I had smoked tongue. I ate it live on Twitch. <laughs> Every type of ramen, Animal Crossing ramen, Gundam ramen, Goku ramen, Splatoon ramen, what which was I was hyped on. Goku ramen. Very spicy, wild, over 9,000, baby. Every one of them that was character-based came with a sticker as a prize inside. The Splatoon one, even better. The fascination with squid there is one of my favorite things. I have found a new love for all types of squid. Squid ink ramen for the Splatoon, where you become a squid and you ink. It was magic, but the dried squid selection. You can buy dried squid as a whole dried squid, or just the head, or just the inner cartilage, or sliced perfectly diameter, uh, symmetrically geometric, or shredded, or just uh, little bits of the bottom. The potential... And magic of dried squid has changed my life completely. I'm addicted to it. I'm saving a bag at my house that I'll probably eat tonight with everyone because it's the best food I've ever had. When we were on the plane, I'll say this, I flew United home, thank God, because they had TV screens, they had a menu, but I flew Zip Air there. And as Jimmy Lloyd said, call it Zip Air because you get zip. But it was a very cheap way for us to get there. It made a difference. It helped me get AJ there because I worked a deal out with Brett. Uh, after Chicago to make sure that he was taken care of. And I got him to LA and Brett graciously used, uh, you know, we worked a deal out. AJ got there. I was fine with Zipair. I slept 11, 10 hours. Like I said, we took off. I was asleep. We were about to land. Look how green Japan is. Incredible. They made you order all the food from an app and AJ had ordered a bunch of stuff. While I was asleep, found out there weren't things he liked. Stingray fin dried was the first thing I ever ate. As we entered Japan airspace, who would have guessed dried, weird ocean creatures was my calling forever. Now, here's another snack. Cheese has a very weird relationship in Japan, mostly a dessert item. Now, you can find uh. a lot of other things with cheese. One of them, and it is also served as a dessert, candy style, is cheese wrapped in dried cod, served in strips or links like sausages or bacon. And you go... Well, what does that taste like? Imagine if you left brie out for days and days and then just like rubbed it with fish slightly, but it's delicious and everything is delicious. All the snacks, all the chips, it doesn't end. When you're in the stores, there's like prepackaged food. You want pork katsu curry? You want chicken katsu? You want a uh, chicken wrap, you want egg wrap, you want fresh sushi. One thing that I loved that Jimmy Lloyd turned me on to immediately are the little triangle sushis. Now they are filled with all sorts of things, sometimes just chicken and vegetables, sometimes beef. But the one I'm addicted to the most is the cod roe. And the cod roe with spicy mayonnaise was premium. There are two kinds, one where you just unwrap it. It's all rice on the outside, triangle. You've probably seen these in little animes or mangas or memes and that was the beauty of Japan was all these things in 
animes that were so strange looking and you assumed were just, well, that's the way they draw things in anime. No, no, no. They were just drawing Japan, you idiot. This is how Japan looks from the subways with the ring holders, from the stores, from the little servings. They're everywhere. So it makes so much more sense, which points out the weird parts of the anime even more. The one without just the rice has seaweed on the outside. But the problem with seaweed is it can get soggy. You wouldn't want that. Mm -hmm. So you buy this little thing and there are specific instructions on how to peel it so that you peel it and then can put the seaweed wrap right on around it. So it doesn't touch the rice until you unwrap it. And if you do it wrong, it can be a mess. I did it wrong the first time because I'm a dumb American. And I would go, and I just open it and I go, fuck. But when you do it right and slow down and pay attention, it does it for you. And it's so, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for here, Peter? There's a sense of, uh, accomplishment almost uh -huh. that you followed directions and it paid off immediately. Yeah. And there are so many of these moments in Japan where if you are willing to pay attention, they have done the work for you. They want you to have the easiest path possible to doing everything. And that also goes to when you order at restaurants and we'll talk one second about that. But first, when you check out here, this is where it gets even better. In Japan, you do have to pay for bags, which makes sense. It's where we're moving in the culture. We've been terrible to the ocean. They're ocean dependent there on a lot of the food and economy. But it's three cents. It's five cents in yen money. You know, uh, divide that by 1.4 or I guess you divide it by a, a 1400, I guess would get you. It doesn't, it's nothing. It's nothing. I don't even know how you do the math. I don't care. So the dollar goes further there? Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, I think it's, let's do the math. I, I want to get this right. Now you eventually pick up a basket in these convenience stores. And I mean that every time. And I would attempt to go like, I'm just splurging. Don't think about it. I'm spending so much money in these stores. There's also this concept that I'm kind of guessing at, but I noticed it almost with everything besides like if you're buying American fashion, Balenciaga or, or electronics that had to be priced a certain way, especially amongst food, there almost seemed to be a limit on profits and that limit on profits extended almost to everything, including cigarettes and a lot of clothing items too. Um, so it's $1 is 145 yen. So, right. So, 145 yen would get me uh, a whole bag of squid jerky, a dollar, a whole bag of squid jerky Amazing. or uh, uh, probably a crepe filled with pudding and a water or a big jug of tea, the biggest you've ever seen, or a big milk jug of coffee, all kinds of coffee from. What about the ice cream? Oh my God. It's it's a dollar 25 or something like it's unreal. The prices on these things to where you're like, Oh my God, I'm just, I'm going to get so fat here. We get so fat. There's no preservatives in anything. It is all made fresh that day. It is all delivered by a person that day. Everything is stocked to sell out, not to be overrun. Now, obviously there's things like little chips or ramen that are long-term foods, but as far as what's in those fridges, you start finding the right family marts and stores. And thank God, my friend, Robert, who, has been my friend since high school, the beginning of high school. One of my first real gay friends that was far out before me, but was a guiding light. He lived in Japan a long time, so I kept leaning on him. He was also someone I visited when he was living in Australia. He still is. I think he's moving back. He has dual citizenship. I'm jealous. Oh 
amazing. He uh, he said, listen, I know the 7-Eleven's great because I was just like in awe at this point. I know the 7-Eleven's great. The Family Mart has a better entrance ding. <laughs> now, you're looking at me funny. Let me tell you something about Tokyo. Every single thing, everything has a jingle. Every train station in Tokyo has a different jingle that goes off when the doors open and goes off when the door closes. Each station, its own identity through a brief song. I don't know how this helps. I'm sure with, uh, I can see the possibilities of it helping handicapped people Mm -hmm. or blind people or people, you know, that were needed to know. You could hypothetically just learn a different language through listening to all of them. Right, right. And they repeat it in English and Japanese. They repeat everything very easily. The screens show you where you are. Back to the trains being efficient. They don't show you how many stations you have to go. They do in order. The number they show you is how many minutes until you arrive. So if you're looking and I go, how many until we get to Shinjuku Sanchome, where the gay bars are? 10 minutes. That's the time you want. And they apologize for the delays. Uh, I don't want to get into what we'll do it on a mini site. I don't want publicly to talk about that, but there's a, uh, there's an efficiency that almost goes too far with the trains with the delays, but Back to where we were checking out. Not only do they ask you if you want your food heated. Rewind one second. They don't just have fridges for the food. For all food and drinks, they have a hot fridge, which has hot teas and coffees already already heated up. up. Same product, heated, can be served heated or cool. All the food already heated up, pork, chicken, katsu. But if you've got something that needs to get heated up, they will heat it in the microwave. The cashier will. All the screens, you put your money in there. There's the rare occasion you have to give them money. And then all the cigarettes are so fucking cheap. Peter, they're all under $5 a pack. Oh, God. Now, there's no vaping in Tokyo. But they do all use those tobacco vapes. The like, they tried to start them in America. They're like, it's real tobacco. You vape it. There's no tar, no nicotine. They're everywhere. And you can smoke them inside everywhere. You don't smoke outside. You Wait, don't do what it. are these? They're like little devices with little mini cigarettes. And you put them in. And you vape the tobacco. Oh, so it's a dry tobacco vape. That's crazy. Is nicot? I've heard that you can just get like nicotine energy drinks there. If they were there, I didn't find them. But I did find every other type of energy supplement. And be it B12 in a shot or vitamin C in a shot or the chill out beverage, which I had many of those. That thing has like GABA and melatonin and something else in it. Uh huh. Your your brain is so messed up on the timeline that you go, let me see. Right to bed on time. Amazing. Chill out, zero calorie, the best thing ever. You're checking out. They're, you don't speak the language, but they're helping you because they know. And if you just give them, here's the keyword, this is the password for all of Japan. You ready? Arigato gozaimasu. All you got to say is arigato gozaimasu. Or just gozaimasu. Or you want to go real honorable? Much like the bow. Drew Parker told me one day, there was a guy bowing to a girl because he had accidentally bumped into her. And it was a very deep bow. He says, you notice the very deep bow. That means he really feels bad and he wants to show ultimate respect. And I go, yeah, shit bow. Larry David, curb. And he goes, what are you talking about? He's never seen curb your enthusiasm. But I go, yeah, it's a shit bow. I said, I explained the whole episode to him and he's like, well, you already knew. I was like, yes. But <laughs> even if I don't speak all the language, they're helping me with the screen. They're helping me with what to press. They're helping me put the money in. As long as you, at the end, give them that, arigato gozaimasu. Or if you're leaving and you're really 
That gets you everywhere. And when you can even start with the fans, I notice this, and with store people, with everyone, making the attempt to say, Ohio, which is good morning, a simple way, or konnichiwa uh, in the afternoon, or a, a, a good evening will trip them up. They'll start really speaking Japanese. Konbanwa. Give them a konbanwa at night. It's one in the morning. You're at the 7-Eleven. You're buying too much pudding and more dried squid and coffee and another ice cream. And somehow it's 4 a.m. So the egg sandwiches are already there. You give them that, they'll help you with anything. Anything. They'll microwave the food. They'll give you the chopsticks. They'll help you with the bag. They'll put in napkins. It is full service and incredible to check out there. Okay, I have to get to Junkazai. I was going into my second day there, returning to the same venue, Shinkiba First Ring. And AJ said, please don't take this the wrong way. I am uncomfortable with what I've heard about this match. I want to see you wrestle. I will come to other shows. I can't do tonight. And I said, that's fine. And I'd seen Junkasai tweet, and he had tweeted a couple things. One, his very young daughter had just had surgery. It had gone successfully. This was weighing on him heavily. Junkasai is, uh, I want to check his age here. I know when I, I'm not giving away age. Hey Siri, how old is Junkasai? Junkasai is 48 or 49 years old, I think 48, and is covered with more scars than anyone in the world of deathmatch. There are many who are trying to catch up, vanity-wise, but his just comes from an existence of being what they call the crazy monkey. And he is the most wild wrestler of all time. There are guys who may compare in certain ways. I was told by Alex Colon, who is three-peat of TOS, who is an ultra-violent champion, uh, who is the tag team champion right now, former ultraviolet champion. Junkasai cannot feel pain. And it makes sense. And this is someone I've studied intensely before I ever, I would have never had a concept. I'd be able to step in a ring with this man. And now I have a moment to have a singles match. Where I've had my little tag. I had a fun match. I showed off my personality. At one point in that match, Sasaki-san, while I'm on my knees trying to bribe him with a thousand yen bill out of my pants. I didn't know he said this till later, but they said, do you know what Sasaki-san said? I said, no. I'm on my knees and he says, hey man, my wife's watching. I can't do this. Which sort of to me I read as, if my wife wasn't here, and she's wonderful, helps out with the shows, keeps things in order. And they all know this. You know, he's the creator of this company. Now I'm going in and I don't know what Junkasai knows of me. He had one tweet where he said I looked like some silly comedian from back in the day. But also they're using a picture of me that like, it, it doesn't even look like me anymore, Peter. I go through transformations all the time. Same soul. Let's play with the meat. Let's play with the meat. Um, and so now I have the task of translating Effie to Junkasai and thinking maybe he doesn't have any idea about me. And we start calling and he's in. And uh, this is a moment I learned from Nick Gage that when you're entering ultraviolence, you may not, you are not allowed with good ultraviolent wrestlers and deathmatch wrestlers to have hesitation when it's time for the blood. It's part of the gig. There's no question. There are other matches where I spoke with Drew. I spoke with Violento Jack. They have a little more understanding of, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that, which is fine. We made compromise. But here, I don't have this choice. This is his territory, his country, his art that he has perfected, and I'm a guest. And I will always be a guest in deathmatch. I feel that way, even though I'm, you know, I can yell I'm returning a, a Japanese deathmatch legend. I've done a lot of things in deathmatch. People would never 
be able to replicate. It's cool, but I will always be a guest. It is not my everything. It is not how I've made my, you know, full name. And first, back to Jordan and Nick. They are taking things very seriously and stretching and warming up and really being a tag team. But they're doing a stretch in these little matching tights uh, where they have their legs together, almost, you know, scissor me daddy ass style, and they're pulling each other back and forth. And very ambiguously gay duo in just a visual sense. And he doesn't know, like, I, he doesn't know the kid is 17 and clearly they're just stretching and he's looking weird at him. And I go, uh, brothers. And he goes, ah, <laughs> and first, you know, I, he, he got it then, you know, cause they really are Nick and Jordan are it's big bro, little bro. Mm-hmm. Everybody has big bro energy with Nick Wayne, but he's more responsible than all of us. We were like, they're not going to ID you here if you want a beer. And he's like, that's not how I roll Effie. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. He's like, I'm here to show off. And it, We'll get into that, but it pays off for those guys and they deserve every bit of it. I'm going to kick their fucking ass on Sunday. Y'all can do all the flips you want and kip up and look cool and I can be proud of you. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. But at least it gave a moment of levity, I thought. And so I'm trying to make sure I'm being respectful, but I do have a tendency sometimes to know that some of my strengths rely on reaction, selling, and I don't necessarily need to get a lot of things for myself in uh, to get us over or have a good match. But I wanted to be a little greedy even though I'm nervous as fuck because I knew it would give him the idea that I'm not just here to, you know, I'm not as scared as I'm, as I am deeply in my soul. So we start calling this thing and it's going pretty well. I have to bring Drew in a few times and sorry folks, I'm, I'm explaining this in cafe because I have to, and we keep going and he pitches just a horrific spot of, I'm going to put bamboo skewers in your face and then I'm going to flip you from the top with your arms bound onto your head uh, onto uh, a bunch of glass in the middle of the ring. And I say, okay, I've taken this before, not specifically, but similar. I know I can take it, but it will suck. Especially if those skewers are in my head. I've taken finishers before with skewers in my head where they plant deeper. They're coming out of your head for uh, at least a few days. And I haven't been this scarred up in a while either. And multiple dates of this, sort of led me to coming back with some scars that I did choose, be it my tattoo or this big gaudy ring in my ear, which I'm pumped about. As we're deep into calling this, and I'm sweating so much, the humidity, and we're all figuring it out, and time is running out. He gets to the point where he says, sexy time. And he reveals that he does know about Effie. And he pulls his pants down, and he's wearing fishnets and black trunks, and he says... For the end, I will be sexy Junkasai. And I, something fluttered in me, man. I love wrestling. I sometimes, I was talking to Edith Surreal earlier about, you know, finding the balance between DIY being completely dead and how we should just get money and also just being emotionally swept by art sometimes, even when you do it all the time. And on a personal level, the moment that was revealed to me, I went, oh, fuck. And I zoomed out and zooming out is big for me, Peter. And I put it permanently on me and it hit me at the right time. You're going to be seen globally in this match later in the same magazine as Antonio Noki kissing this man. And he's got an outfit dressed like you and he's going to be sexy. And we proceed to go out and we were going to originally be the main event, but I was pulled aside and told, listen, some other things have to happen at the end of the show. You got to be semi-main 
if Jun keeps you in the ring, he may put you over and say something, you know, just shake your hand. If not, just get the fuck out of there. Let them do it. He has other stuff to do. I get it. It's like, you know, I'm not offended by that. It's a job. Sometimes you just listen. We have this match. He takes fork boards to the face from under the rainbow. I take tubes all over the place. Sexy Jun Kasai comes out as he gives me the flipping tiger driver from the top of bamboo skewers. I kick out of the plunge, which I don't know if I'm supposed to. I think it's called the Pearl Harbor plunge because he's just crazy, but I might be mixing up him and Ito. Tubes all over me. Do you know how scary it is to look up at a man while you have tubes of glass on your chest and he is flying from 10 feet in the air with the intention of crashing them on you? I'm glad my body's become a callus. There are parts of me that bleed. I bled pretty good early, but I have realized one thing. If I bleed from the head, it goes away. I sweat so much, Peter. The wounds will dry out, but if I bleed from my back and my stomach and my legs, it stays the whole time. And it tells a story. And I was covered head to toe in glass. I kicked out. He stuck a fork in his own head and then tried to cut my head off with a lariat. And I kicked out at one. But it was the end for Effie. I tried everything. And he gave me the, the plain tiger driver, the Jun, Junkasai signature on top of that fork board. And that is an image that will live in infamy for me, maybe for others. Because if you notice, while I'm in that tiger driver and my head is being driven into forks after I've already been bambooed and covered in glass, big challenges, the gator on my knee. Yeah, the Sanrio character that appeared one time that's upside down on my leg looking at me because I am facing big challenges all the time. He was right side up for the camera, letting him know. It ain't no thing, baby. We face big challenges. The only difference being his eyes are red and in Tokyo, mine were not. And I finished. I got pinned, kind of figuring out where I am. And I don't see Junkasai going for a microphone. So I assume I need to go ahead and roll out of the ring. And I'd really like to get out of this ring anyway. I mean, we started the match and there was already glass everywhere. I was already rolling in glass, just chain wrestling. I started to get out of the ring and he looked at me. Junkasai looked at me and he gave me a little finger. And I went over to him and he was on a knee and I got down on a knee. And Junkasai pulled me in as we were both covered in blood. And he planted a big, fat, sloppy deathmatch kiss right on my lips. And I think the picture is beautiful. And the picture shows up in that magazine. The in memoriam for the biggest Japanese wrestler of all time. Go ahead and flip through the pages. There's Effie and Junkasai kissing on the lips. Two violent people who tried to kill each other in a death match with his hand reading the only English phrase that he writes on himself. Against war. As his hand caresses my face. Now here's where I had to be Effie. And I love that I trust this confidence now. I used to apologize for this. You gave me one kiss, I get one back. And after he kissed me, I looked in his eyes and I gave him one more big sloppy deathmatch kiss right on the lips. And I went to the back. And later we had a little confrontation between the two groups. The next show for Freedoms was going to be at Cork and Hall on that Sunday. And I had a show in between. But we were face to face at the end. Now, with the deathmatch in America... In America with deathmatch, sometimes I'll walk around bloody for a little while. I'll wipe the glass off, but I want things to start to heal a little bit. We are not given this option in Japan. And it is a, 
a tradition followed by everyone backstage from Junkasai to Ayatollah Kobayashi. We'll talk about Kobayashi in a minute. Pin Pin Koba. You shower right after your match. If you're going to go out after the show, if you're in a later thing, you better be clean. If you're going to go out to sell merch, you need to clean yourself up. There's a badge of honor with having the blood still on you. Fans taking pictures. There is a disrespect to keeping that. And you have to clean your glass up. You have to make sure it's out of the shower. You have to clean the shower after yourself. Had to share a towel with a deathmatch guy. It gets messy after a while. But I did the best I could. I cleaned off quickly. I changed with the pain. I got a couple pictures. The progression of my back... Shout out to Harjeev in LA because I did cupping before my match in LA. So I started in Japan with big squid mark cupping on the back of my back bruised. And I, I did that because I needed to remind myself, you're about to scar up. You better get ready. You better prepare for pain. And the first night I got away without much pain, pretty sick. Second night, I proved myself. And Effie... Uh, continued. I say continued because I've, I've done a lot of deathmatch things. I believe I have a particular view in deathmatch that is different. I love deathmatch. I don't want to do everything in deathmatch. But I'll say this. Once again, no one has the deathmatch experience I have. I'm not saying it's the most or the most important, but of a specific ilk, I now can add Junkasai to the list of people I've been in the ring with and that have also found that Effie is really fun to have matches with, death or not. And it is bragging, but to hear Alex Cologne have a conversation with Brett at GCW and say, it really is nuts because Effie's just over anywhere. And he adapts to any kind of style, and he wants to put out these matches that are very Effie, but also Effie understands the assignment. And people are seeing that. There is an assignment, whether you're giving it to yourself or not. And with Junkasai... The seal of approval, the kiss from a rose after that match was more than anything he could have said on the mic meant. And we continue to have interactions, uh, but he, uh, it was incredible. That's all I can say. And the surprise of being in that magazine later. Now I did learn this and I want to clear this up because it was confusing to me the first time I saw it too. I now have in my profile name, Effie and the Japanese translation for the sound Effie. Now it translates a little different if you're going back and forth. E F F I E E F Y E F Y obviously entertaining for youth. Uh, but I started to search that hashtag. I said, let me see. And Peter, if, uh, if AJ wasn't incorrect and if I wasn't correct, maybe we were both correct. Effie is very, very over with the Japanese fans. I was seeing posts from the night before that I hadn't seen yet. I was seeing art posts, the pictures of me at the merch table, pictures of me in Kasai, and this footage wouldn't even be out in America. All you could see were certain pictures, certain things, the fork picture showing, the kiss picture showing, and as I was able to share this content by looking through their lens and looking for my name, how they would say it and pronounce it, and how it was written on these posters, I was finding a gold mine of content that I was retweeting overnight that America was seeing and going is Effie doing legendary shit in Japan? And I said, yeah, because I came here just wanting to be like Terry Funk and have a crazy ass time. And now you're getting to see that I'm on full Effie fire. And so these pictures sort of started to make their circle and make their infamy before the match even went out, which is incredible. And the Japanese fans take pride in their pictures. They want them out quickly. They want them edited cool. They always made me look so fucking jacked. They know how to turn that contrast up to make it look like I'm just jacked as hell. I noticed that. And 
they are also pleasantly roadhouse style surprised that I'm as big as I am. They're meeting me in person going, you are very big. Effie is very big. I said, what, metaphorically in Japan, Effie's big? No, like you're a large human. And the wrestlers see this. And then when they, once again, they see how I can move for the big guy and, and move for them specifically, they get a very magic feeling. Wednesday, I had to celebrate. Now, Peter, I felt like dog shit. And at this point, AJ had his own Airbnb, which we were, I was back and forth in, you know, like it's a six minute walk between the B and B's. I'd sleep there a little, I'd shower there a little, I'd put some things there back and forth, but it was also right next to a good laundromat. So I was getting laundry done quickly. Peter, when I tell you, I came home at midnight from Japan, put all my clothes up because they were already clean and folded. I don't know if it changed me in every way, but I sort of, uh, I'm battling my procrastination with Zen a little better just from doing this and the convenience of like, it's 10 steps, go clean your shit. It's one yen, it's 100 yen, put in the coin. I wasted so many coins on, I'm almost embarrassed to say it. No, I'm not. I didn't go to any casinos, which there they can't, you can't gamble money. You have to win the pachinko or the slots and then they trade you gold and then you can sell the gold. I'm not making this up. Wow. They're not like big gaudy establishments. They're like in a hole in the wall. We got some machines. You won this gold amulet. Now you have to trade it. I did not waste my money there. But if you know me, I'm a bit of a gambler. And I learned over the past year and I've tried to be, I'm not going to give up gambling. I love it. There's a confidence in me that will tell me to gamble. But I am learning to spend much less through arcades and plush machines. Japan has plush machine arcades every half mile or less. <laughs> now, are you going to win? Probably not, Peter. Did I spend 10,000 or more yen, probably 80 to a hundred dollars while I was there, just dipping in coins on the, on the plush machines, trying my best. Yeah. Many, many times. Did you win? Oh, I all? did. I won a sick Kirby plush for AJ. AJ won something else, but the bigger ones were what we were going for. And they give you a deal if you go big quantity. You you know you're not going to win. But then you see somebody win. And you're like, oh. And it's almost, the machines are, they kind of tell you, you're not going to win. You watch them. And they have balls in the bottom to stop you from getting too deep where it closes. But if you do it multiple times, you sort of can hanky-wanky it over to the side enough to make things flop. And it's the patience of going, I know if I play this machine 20 times, I can win this prize and I might be saving $4 on retail. (laughs) I might not. It might not even be worth that. But what's odd is the range of prizes in these places is so fascinating that you can't stop. And when you're given change from these bills, the 500 coin, the 100 yen coin, Kikutaro at Corican Hall showed us these historic, they have so much historic shit there. We're about to go to Corican, but we have to make a pit stop the old $2 coin they got rid of. So I think that's fascinating between America and the, and the Japanese people in Nippon. They used to have a $2 coin in America. So did we, it's rare. It's weird. You can see it sometimes, but those 500 yen, 100 yen coins, the rest of the coins give or take, I don't give a damn. I had so many coins. I say this now, there's a moment in the finale here that we will push to, and this will have to have a part two of just jumping around. But today we were going to make a magic moment on this Wednesday. Post Jun Kasai, 
Post-Sasaki, selling a lot of merch, a lot of cash in the pocket, a fuck ton of cash. And it's a little less slippery than British money. It feels real in your hand. It's fun to count. It's colors. It's new art. I was ready to spend a little money. I was ready to spend it with my baby. So me and baby said, Wednesday morning, we're waking up early. We're going shopping. We did. We went all over the place. We explored. We went uh, to these plushy places and tried. We went to Shibuya. We went to the Mandarake station, which I went there to the secondary location in Shibuya, which we will also talk about. We may have to have a full Don Quixote episode. Don Quixote is sort of the, it's like Walmart on acid and steroids, where it has, let me put it this way. There's seven floors, and on the fifth floor is toys. And I mean all types of toys, like children's toys and uh, pornography and eggs to fuck and Keith Haring edition pocket pussies. Vending machines with toys in them. Oh, a Keith Haring pocket pussy? Yeah, and uh, I was going to keep it as a real treasure. It's it's already being used. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. And I like that in a conservative society, they honor the fact that like, it's better if men just fuck pocket pussies and leave women alone. And you can see in the video, there's, they're the black balls. They cover them, but you put in 500 yen, you get a pocket pussy magic. They also have like beginner. It's the Don Quixote is crazy. It's everything. We'll go through every floor together, probably in a mini episode. I went to another Mandarake later in Shibuya and I'm jumping around, but this was after AJ had left and I didn't know they had a second larger location. And while we were looking through all the books and toys, and you saw all the vintage toys in there, Beyblades to Godzilla to toys from the 1930s to American X-Men to Japanese Gundams, every type of toy you can imagine from a dollar to hundreds of dollars. We kept seeing El Desperado, who's a New Japan wrestler who also recently fought Junkasai. And I found out Tuesday at Junkasai show, he was there. And when asked about this, I said, I asked everyone there, hey, what, does he do that a lot? And they said, yeah. El Desperado loves watching live wrestling. He says he can't watch it on cameras. The cameras don't get it. And you're someone who said the camera work of wrestling, it could use some work. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I've seen different ways of shooting. Shout out Enjoy Wrestling. Shout out Fest Seriously, Wrestling. Seriously, shout out Enjoy Wrestling. I kept seeing him pop up. And then him at the shows, I was like, there's something. We're connected. At the end of the tour, I'm really jumping ahead, but I have to tell you, Mandarake, seeing him in this anime comic toy store, he, he came in, uh, he came and bought an FEA by 10. Ooh. My voice is really going here, but I'm going to keep pushing through Corican, and then I think we're going to have to call it for a part two, but I'm going to keep going here, and I'm going to jump to Wednesday night, and AJ's going to come back in and fill in more of our adventures together, which is important because his perspective is uh, a whole new world, and he remembers things better than me a lot of the time. But Wednesday night, we had to celebrate. AJ said, I've had enough of the partying. He partied with us. He said, I'm going to get some rest. The timeline, it fucks people up. And I learned I have superhuman, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Uh, when you last a long time, not for sex, but just in general, but it's used in a similar way. Stamina. stamina. I have insane stamina. I'll just be up for 30 hours. This night on the town, we had to go big. We were going back to the club. There's a lot of us going out. First, we went to a metal bar together. We started in that uh, Shinjuku, Golden Gate region. 
we had to kind of get back into the groove and we found our way to the groove. We found our way. And this was a Wednesday, a little different than a Sunday, but not by much. We got into the club and shout out Ref Scarlet, who I won't reveal too much, but she had to take a real, real life work meeting before we went into this club. And it's me and Drew and John Wayne and Janella and Jimmy and uh, Scarlett and uh, Cole Radrick. And we're all in this club. We're partying big time. I'm celebrating. I've survived. I didn't know if I was going to survive. I've survived. I'm in pain. And we get rowdy on the dance floor. Crazy dancing all night. And this is where I sweat so much, Peter, in this dance club. Free. No worries. Confident. Going to Cork and Hall Thursday for Big Japan. Didn't even know I'd be wrestling for Big Japan. And I danced all freaking night, dude. To the point where the train shut off at midnight and turned back on at four. We got on one at about six. <laughs> now, I sweat, like I said, so much. I didn't show the video, but I kept having to go into the bathroom. And are you still bleeding at this point? Oh, I mean, it's I have fresh wounds. Mm. I'm trying to, I have them pretty wrapped up. But I have fresh wounds. I was even asked in the club at one point to rebutton my shirt. I was being too sexy because I was just hot and wet and sweating. And not that Japanese men are not confident in many situations. Seeing me go crazy on the dance floor, I felt like they were getting crazier too. At one point, I look over the saga of Jimmy Lloyd. He's got two girls dancing on him. And then I look away and turn back. He's got three different girls dancing on him. They're VIP crazy in the club. I find out there's a second club floor more queer oriented. I should have been there the night with AJ. He's not with me now. I'm going, this is crazy. We go upstairs. There's two dance floors. You just jump up. If you know the song's choreography, much more Japanese music focused, much more what's hip with them right now. And they would jump up and do perfect choreography and then hop off and just regular dance. I didn't know the choreography, but I was trying to learn it. I was trying to learn all these new dances. A lot of just like, and kisses and this very cool. Then I had to drain my shirt again in the bathroom. It was so hot in here, so humid, so many people. And the DJs kept switching. DJ City, they called it. They kept throwing out hits. Something would hit. You'd be like, we're going to go outside. We're going to leave soon. Something would hit. Now, somehow, my phone had not been working. And I wasn't even looking at it. Got my bag, put stuff in the thing. I missed a call. And I go, Peter, I think this is PetSmart. I'm freaking out. This is about the time we're leaving the club. So I go outside anyway. Call them back, call them back. They finally answer. I said, what's wrong? They said, oh, nothing's wrong. So we're just doing a check-in call about Bebop, but we already talked to Benny. I go, what? He said, he called us first to check in, and then we tried to call the primary number back, which was yours, and he didn't answer. So we called him back, and then he made his the primary, so we called you a long time ago. I was like, I really thought something happened. It knocked me out of dance mode, but it was late enough in the night that I didn't care. It was handled. Bebop's great. He's good. At that oh, point, I love this story. It's good. And we left the club at that point. It was too late anyway. It's 5, 6 a.m., whatever. There's no time in Tokyo. It doesn't make sense. And I've got nowhere to be. Well, I do have somewhere to be, but I can sleep till 2. So me, Scarlett, Cole, we find our way back eventually on the trains. I did pick up. This is when I picked up a little bit of marijuana. I was on like day three of not smoking, and I was like, maybe it's okay. And it was okay in reminding me that... Uh, bad weed isn't great. There's plenty of better ways to relax. I was in a lot of pain. I took a lot of crazy shit in that match. I wanted to ease the pain and suffering. I'd been dancing all night. My body was sore from that too. Boy, I put my body through the ringer. You said I looked a little skinny, Peter. I must have walked and danced 
a hundred thousand calories away. So I could just keep eating ice cream and seven 11 snacks and curry on the corner and never gain a pound because I'm just walking and sweating and training and looking. And I think thinking burning calories. I want to say this, Peter, did I mention earlier about the man with meat on a stick? Did I already bring this up? No. Every country I've been to has a man with meat on a stick who is typically from Lebanon or the Middle East. And I love that. They have found a way in every culture to be important. Spain, UK, America, Canada, Japan, every country I've been in, they got a, they got a guy from the Middle East and he's cutting meat off that stick. And it's so good every time. And it's perfect. God bless them. I love them. I need them. We finally found our way home on this late train. And the mix of people in Shinjuku and at that point is people going to work and people leaving the clubs. So it's like 5, 6 a.m. The trains start running again at 4. We finally get out. We make it back. I have this terrible weed. We said we got to try it. I don't want to be disrespectful. So I set up a very respectful way of a college-esque sploof. Remember sploofs? Mm-hmm. Did a sploof with a paper towel with perfumes and Febreze and lit a spliff so that the tobacco would cover it a little bit and made everyone smoke a cigarette around it outside in the back area. I think we were fine. It was not good weed. It did not help. It did not make me happy. I went to bed. I did not buy any more weed on the whole trip, which was fine. But Thursday, I woke up a little grumpy soldier because I had just been going hard. There was a release of the June Kasai, of the dance of this. My body just needed rest. I slept as long as I could, and I was a grumpy soldier. And we had Big Japan that day, so I could not be a grumpy soldier. This is my debut in the famous Corican Hall. I did not realize... Uh, it was only me, Manser, and Alex Cologne on this show. No one else on the tour was on the show. We were chosen to be on the show for various reasons. It was a death match with three legends of death match. And I wanted to be on my best behavior. I didn't realize they, Manser and Alex and the referees left very early. And the rest of the crew was not on there. So at this point, I had to find my way to Cork and Hall alone. Did I do okay? Yeah. Uh, did I walk probably an extra half mile than I needed to? Yeah, but what a beautiful area around the Tokyo Dome. The Tokyo Dome is typically a baseball stadium, but they do have wrestling there. The uh, Wrestle Kingdom by New Japan is held there every year. It holds about 50-something thousand people. But Corican Hall is a small hall next to it. But this isn't all that's there. They have roller coasters and amusement rides and bowling and karaoke. Everything is around Tokyo Dome City. And so getting to go to this venue a historic sumo and wrestling venue from years and years and years that I've seen many, many matches at. It's insane. And I'm walking in solo and they're very serious about the COVID. So we were allowed to be out at our table to sell merch as long as we had a full face mask on, full mask on. But I got to the locker room and obviously we're the only like white dudes here. We're we're doing our best. We want to call this match well with these Japanese deathmatch legends but we are working in a situation where they are much older than us and they are going to be right. And I find myself mitigating some of the danger I took, but in the end, I took a ton of tubes at the end of this match, a ton of finishers, superplex power bombs, big splash from Ito, huge frog style. It was magic to be in Corican, but this was a painful experience in Corican. And if there's two things Effie does in Japan, it's eat everything and take some pins. I uh, think we won Monday, but I didn't I didn't have the pin victory. Uh, Tuesday, I lost. Went, Thursday, 
I took the pen. It's fine. I look sick though. And thank God I took all those tubes because after we got to cut a promo for BJW, they followed me back on Twitter. Sick. The, the deathmatch legends were pleased. Everyone on the show was very nice. And, uh, I got to shower in Corican Hall. I'm not going to get detailed. It's not a weird shower, but I was showering in the same room as Cologne. And at one point he handed me the soap to use. And it was like that uh, Coca-Cola commercial where he throws him a Coca-Cola. I was like, oh my God, this is a sign of great honor. I also didn't bring a towel. And thank God, because they gave me a big Japan rally towel that I had to use. I also got all the glass off me and tried to explain like, please don't go over here. There's glass outside. I need to sweep it. And he ended up figuring it out and sweeping it for me, one of the guys there, which I was like, please don't. But also, it's so sick. All the shows, I haven't even mentioned this. In America, I bitch if they don't provide water and snacks. There's so many cheap vending machines that they're like, what are you talking? Like, go to the vending machine. There's a vending machine in the locker room, in the lobby, everywhere. There's a vending. What are you doing? Just go to the vending machine. What do you need? It's there. I take my shower in Corican, which is legendary. Uh, and I finish and I go home and I just want to reflect on it. Corican Hall is this incredible venue. I was there with Big Japan. There's history there. And it was, I was going to get to do it twice, Peter. Two times at Corican Hall. Just the first of them covered in blood, proving myself after a match with Kasai. It felt like magic. Afterwards, I got out of there. AJ had come to the show. He'd help me sell merch. Effie's on very over after the match. They love it. There's a lot of, oh, because I'm very, uh, I'm out there for them. They love it. And I'm willing to go crazy with the death. It's a perfect blend of things they like. It's kawaii and violence. They love it. And I'm easy to work with with the Japanese guys because I take my time, like I said. And these deathmatch guys, I want to highlight what they still can do because they've had 20-year, 30-year careers. They love that. I took all the stuff. We go back. I rest at the Airbnb. We rest up. And after this, the next morning, all my time was with AJ. And we were going to go on a grand adventure. But Peter, I'm cutting it here. We're going to record more of this later. My voice needs a bit of a rest. Mm-hmm. We, How deep are we in? Uh, we are almost to four hours. I'm obsessed. Maybe a little over no, three. No, I mean, there's a blend in there. Yeah, I think it's three hours. Yeah, it doesn't matter how it, long it is. It's going to get cut down to something. Do we want to do any questions? I forgot to ask for questions. <laughs> Okay, good. Then we're what we're going to do is a mini-sode talking about two movies that I really loved and that ties into another movie you finally saw, Mad God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking about Brian and Charles. I also saw Elvis. Oh, my God. I Four movies we're talking about. It. And uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. So we'll talk about crying to movies and honoring emotion and efficiency and restaurants. Many things. Part two of Tokyo is going to be huge. I'm also going to have an Atlantic City episode. We're going to be stacking some recording next week. Uh, But I've got to get AJ in here because he's got a lot of story to tell. 